For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. Morning, all paper-wise this morning. Hard to know which one to go with when it comes to weather-related stories. Uh, summer to begin on the 10th of August when temperatures are set to increase. How bad, as we'd say on side, A heat plume is inching closer to Ireland from Europe, meaning a change in the weather is on the cards. It's a story... And it's official, apparently, according to The Sun today. Weather experts predicting a jump in heat levels by the 10th of August. um, But by no means certain, but certainly predicted. So, would you have that story? Um, Or indeed, would you maybe instead take the one from the star this morning that says, still under the weather, damp squib... (laughs) Damp squib summer continues. So depending on what newspaper you take, you get a totally different prediction for the month of August. Ireland's washout summer is set to continue right through August, says the star, um, with the entire country braced for an entire month of rain. (laughs) So the star says a month of rain, and the sun says summer begins officially on the 10th of August when the temperatures will climb, it'll be sunny, and we'll be basking in glorious sunshine and heat. I'd probably prefer to go for the sun story, wouldn't you? But what can you do? Um, Tragedy, of course, again on our roads. In the front of the papers this morning, carry photographs of the best of friends uh, who died in the Deb's horror and will be laid to rest today. That's the front page uh, in the star. Many of the red tops carry. The school is heartbroken. Um, The school paid tribute to two of their pupils killed in the horror Deb's crash ahead of their burials today. We're talking about Lava Muhammad at the age of 16. He'll be laid to rest in Dublin and Kia McCann, whose funeral will take place in Clonus County, Monaghan. And their front page is carry photographs of both young girls whose lives were tragically ended at such a young age. Actually, Gardaí have now obtained dash cam footage of the horror crash that caused the deaths of the two girls on the way to their Debs. And the Mirror this morning says that they have clear images of the car that they were travelling in and the moment it went off the road and collided with a tree. Now, the man who was driving it, uh, a fellow by the name of Mr. McGinn, um, sadly, he is uh, injured. Now, he's 60, and he's a friend of Kia's father, and it's understood that he offered the teens a lift. He remains in a critical condition in uh, the Royal Victoria Hospital in Belfast. But very interestingly, the Irish Times this morning on its front page says that the road where the two teenage girls lost their lives in the crash on the way to their Debs uh, on Monday evening also claimed the life of a local young man 19 years ago in very similar, apparently very similar circumstances. A lad called Ashley McCluskey was 20 years old and he was killed when the car he was driving went off the road at the precise location that Kia and Lava died. Uh, such a front page of making the Times this morning. D- driver died in 2004 at the same site of the fatal Debs crash. Um, and then other road-related stories unfortunately a death and this has to do with uh, now the Gardaí have launched a murder inquiry it's a murder hunt there was a man who suffered a road raid attack uh, was in hospital a few days and he is, he is sadly now passed away after that road rage attack uh, apparently uh, Martin Lynn age 30 had been critical this is in the star today critical in hospital in Dublin since Sunday but he died yesterday, or Tuesday afternoon, my apologies. He, he was an office administrator, but he was punched by a motorist as he made his way home uh, in the Whitehall area of Dublin, half past four in the morning. It's understood he was punched once, then fell, hit his head on the pavement, causing serious injuries 
from which he subsequently died. So that's a one-punch attack on a man that led to his death, and they're connecting it with some kind of a, a road rage incident. Uh, in other news this morning, here's a story that the Mail has been dealing with for a number of weeks now and they continue to drill into it and it's the amount of children in state care who are at risk. The headline in the Mail this morning says that there's 150, more than 150 children in state care living in emergency accommodation of all different sizes in all different places who are at present at risk of sex trafficking. Um, and, you know, uh, the Mail said that there are 152 young people staying in B&Bs, privately leased properties and holiday centres. And all too often you got these suspicious characters hanging around them and also trying to coax and cajole the young children, and sometimes teens and, and younger than teens, uh, to come away with them, promising them, you know, money or, you know, a mobile phone or credit or sweets or a trip to McDonald's or new clothes and stuff like that. It's awfully, awfully worrying. Uh, another thing that's worrying, of course, is the cost of everything. Whatever you want, everything's just gone up full stop. But this morning, The Independent gives us a comparison. Um, if you got a full tank of oil, which would be a thousand litres, right, in 2021, it would have cost you 683 euro for that full tank. Now it's past the 1,000 euro mark, even though energy costs have dropped on an international level. Uh, gas has dropped, oil has dropped, petrol, diesel, whatever you're having, having in yourself, but it's not being passed on. So home heating oil has now, uh, for the first time in a long, long time, don't know if I can even remember when it was higher than a thousand euro, but it's now one thousand and thirty six euro on average for a one thousand liter fill. Um, and even a couple of weeks ago, it was just hovering at about nine hundred. So it's continuing to increase. Uh, other things that we need, of course, we need heat. We also need water. And the examiner this morning talks about boil water notices right across Ireland and indeed right across Munster. And Cork's included in this, Cork, Waterford and Tipperary. So you need to boil water, apparently. This is the warning because um, the the union, uh, the trade union, Unite, um, has um, decided to do some strike actions on behalf of their workers and that will impact on people who need water and need to boil it. So that's a very... And you know, another thing we need is health and health care, particularly for people uh, who need to call a doctor um, or indeed, you know, the whole system of, say, for instance, um, South Dock hasn't really worked as effectively, I think, as they thought it would have them would have done back in the day. Um, but it's a real problem for places like Formoy, um, not to mention Mitchellstown, Rathcormark and other areas like that. It's a story making the mail today because there's a big campaign going on in Formoy at the moment um, to save their South Dock. Isn't it an awful thing to have to be doing that a local community would have to be, uh, you know, campaigning, not just in Formoy, but in other towns and villages around to save their GP service and to save their... Um, their South Dock so that they don't have to drive 30 kilometres to the likes of a South Dock service in Mallow or Middleton or indeed Cork that they could keep it all within the Formoy community it's big enough for it to be kept there there's a lot of court reports in general making the papers today one is a character who was driving a Skoda Octavia he landed in the front garden of a house at McSweeney Villas in Cork City and then he legged it apparently um, this is a fellow called Stephen Buckley who was in court then he confessed to various offences arising out of the incident um, he was tracked down to um, by, by Ungarda Shikona a fellow who lived in lives in Shanakil he's off to jail now though uh, for five months 
Um, the driver failed to remain at the scene. Uh, there was no witnesses to identify the driver, but ultimately he was arrested and admitted that he lost control, left the scene of the incident, had no licence and no insurance. He'd six previous convictions for failing to remain at the scene of an incident and six for having no insurance in the past. Uh, so this wasn't a one-off in any way, shape or form. So the judge Kelleher said that um, I'm disqualifying you from, from driving lengthy disqualification, which he should have had a long, long time ago, and jailed him as well uh, for five months. It's just lucky that nobody was in the front garden when the car just ploughed into it, isn't it? Is anybody having problems with their mobile phones? Because I know I certainly have. And apparently this is very much a problem with Samsung Android smartphones, where they automatically ring emergency services. It is happening to me quite a lot. In fact, in the last four or five days, it's actually ran, rang 112 about half a dozen times. I have no idea why. It just does it. It's in my hand. I haven't done anything that I know of, but off it goes and rings the emergency services. And then this alarm goes off. Wah, 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 wah. And it's like... You just get such a shock. You end up like almost like fumbling with the phone so quickly to stop it. Oh my God, oh my God, it's ringing 999. You're trying to stop it from ringing 999. And it takes forever. Thankfully, nobody ever picked up the 999 or the 112 call. But I wondered, what am I doing wrong? But apparently nothing. It's a glitch with Samsung phones, apparently. And I only found that out by the Independent this morning that says the calls to Ireland's emergency call systems rose by as much as 50% this year because of this smartphone glitch that causes mistaken calls. They say that you're pocket dialing them, but I'm not even doing that. Um, I don't know what's going on. I don't know if anybody else is actually experiencing this because it could even get worse. Samsung, the main Android smartphone brand, creating the cause, struggles to turn the emergency call trigger off. So I went into my phone trying to work out how can I turn off whatever this is? And I can't do it. Uh, and this is saying that 50% of emergency calls to emergency services in Ireland is because of this smartphone glitch. I mean, they need to sort that out. Will it be sorting out Donald Trump? I don't know what's going to happen there. There, He's uh, back in court today. It's the front of the Irish Times. The allegation against him is that uh, essentially that he led a conspiracy to try and overturn the 2020 election that he lost to Joe Biden on it rolls. Um, the new charges centre on allegations that he sought to remain as president, even though he was defeated in the election in 2020. But will he be re-elected? That's what everybody's thinking about. I mean, he seems to be very much the Republican frontrunner. Be interesting to see what happens there. As Rory was talking about the girls in Green, Green arrived back in Ireland yesterday. And in spite of their agonising defeats to Australia and Canada and a very disappointing draw against Nigeria, which meant that they finished bottom of the group, um, they did stop yesterday to sign autographs and take photographs and selfies with many fans, many of them young girls. So that, that should remind us that this, in spite of the very disappointing World Cup, it was their first time. And it has empowered many other young girls to perhaps follow in their footsteps. So we should maybe be wary and cognizant of that before we're overly criticising the performance, I suppose. There's a special homecoming for the girls in green which will take place outside the GPO in O'Connell Street this evening at half past six. The only thing I can say about that is I hope that they're safe on O'Connell Street. You wouldn't find me on O'Connell Street, but anyway. And then there's a bizarre story of a social media influencer. It's a story that makes The Independent today. She was extolling the virtues of a vegan diet of raw tropical fruit. Um, she's died from malnutrition, exhaustion and serial infections. This 39-year-old woman, Zana Samsonova, a Russian blogger, 
She's very popular on Instagram, particularly with regards to her extreme diet on TikTok as well. But she'd been working recently in Southeast Asia uh, and she claimed that she hadn't drunk water for six years, taking fruit and vegetable juices instead. Um, And apparently her extreme diet began to take its toll and she died on the 21st of July in Malaysia. Her friends say she became emaciated and literally died of malnutrition. Very, very sad. It really and truly is. Um, And I also see other stories of an interest with regards to, um, say, for instance, body shape or or things like that and it has more to do with uh, Barbie. And I suppose, you know, know, I mean, there must be hundreds and hundreds of different types of, of Barbie. And I'm imagining that Barbie now comes in all sorts of different shapes and sizes. Would I be right there? That they wouldn't all be the very svelte, kind of thin, um, supposedly perfect body dimensions um, that, you know, we saw being extolled in the 1960s when I think Barbie probably first came about. But there is a story of a girl who has 800 dolls. Her name is Dawn Austin. She's 44 years old over in the Derby, Derby in the UK. She's got 800 of them and apparently has added up the total cost for the 800 dolls at something in the region nearly 24,000 euro. She's got 800 but it pales into absolute insignificance uh, with regards to Glenda Taylor, who's up in the west of Ireland somewhere. Not quite sure where in the west of Ireland, uh, but she has, she's in Sligo Town apparently. She has 700 Barbie dolls. 700 of them. Would it, would it be right to say that none, no two of the 700 are the same? I mean, come talk to me. Are there, are there actually 700 different types of of Barbie designs or what are we talking about here? There must be. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if there were. Like, I mean, you know, as you said yourself, they kind of come in all shapes and sizes. What, 700? And I know, I know. You'd be surprised. Definitely, I'd say there's 700. Ireland's biggest Barbie collector holds, uh, holder is, is all excited for the new movie, celebrating the launch in her own way. She has 800. She started at a very young age and she has them all apparently on display in an optician's window. <laughs> you get 700 of them into an optician's window. <laughs> uh, they were originally gifted to her by people uh, on different occasions, but then she became passionate and she now has possibly the world's biggest collection wow. of Barbies. What That's you think? amazing. That is a lot. I've never heard of any. How many have you got? Like- me? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, I kind of inherited Barbies from like older sisters and things like that and I would have gotten a lot of my own ones as well. I probably had... I have maybe around 10. And have you any of them left? I'd say they're up in the attic somewhere, yeah. But you still have your Barbie mug, though. I do, I have my Barbie mug here today. <laughs> would you, while, while you're on there, Claire, would yeah. you respond to, just very, very quickly, yeah. to a text that I got last week that I didn't get to read yet, saying that it's very, very anti-men. Okay, Barbie. Yeah. I would disagree. I would think that, like, okay, Barbie is about Barbie, and there's a real, you know, pro-woman, feminist storyline to it but I think a lot of people who see it actually can't get over how good Ken was in it and Ryan Gosling who played Ken and that do you remember nearly the text stole that came in? Do you remember the text? I do, it was an email I think. Was it an email? Yeah. Yeah uh, and saying that it was kind of anti-men and that it was you know a bit mean maybe towards men but I think that the, the actual storyline of Ken is really positive for men and it's a really positive story and like the kind of the patriarchy I don't want to give away too much of the movie obviously but the, the patriarchy Why, there, You mean there's a plot? Yes there is Neil I'm telling you to go and see it every day and you Flashing won't go and see it <laughs> Start minish and a finish There is I swear um, but Ken actually has a really good story himself and you know it's kind of about the patriarchy and all the kind of um, 
the negative aspects of the patriarchy and you know the, the patriarchy is a bad thing full stop what is patriarchy please I never went to college <sighs> patriarchy is just kind of the kind of the the men who believe that men run the world and that women are insignificant basically oh we can't be having any of no, that no exactly patriarchy bad Barbie good right. and and Ken realises that you know and Ken knows that and, and Ken's story is brilliant I'm telling you if, like I've, I went with my brother and my boyfriend I've talked to plenty of men who've no, been no, really them, funny you talked them into it I did not I went, I've spoken to plenty of you men who've really enjoyed Barbie you promised them popcorn <laughs> you promised them the large combo and, and they're still talking to you and they're still talking to me and they're still still talking about Barbie. <laughs> All right, just before you go, without wanting to throw you under an absolute bus, right. there's research out this morning in the Mail Online talking about good advice and bad advice. They say Ooh. good advice can sometimes be hard to find, but terrible advice is available in abundance. They give a list of the advice that people got down through the years, mm-hmm. uh, particularly the bad advice. What's the best advice you ever got? Hmm, I think, I think good advice that I've gotten and I think a lot of people will get that one as well is to go with your gut and I think that also tells you to not listen to the bad advice because going with your gut as good advice kind of tells you to just believe what you really that's think that's brilliant advice it's really good it advice it has completely wiped my brain of everything else that is the best advice you could ever give anybody go with your gut yeah and I think that that kind of tells you not to listen to others look people can give you their two cents and people can give you their advice of what they think they should do but I think going with your gut tells you go with what you think and you can kind of eliminate advice, the bad advice some then. of them feature things like fight fire with fire mm. uh, forgive and forget difficult thing to do you might claim to forgive and forget but you really don't that's you a really tough one don't. Yeah. money can't buy you happiness <laughs> say that to somebody with no money <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that very frustrating infuriating advice money can't buy you happiness the worst is when you get advice from someone who's in a in a kind of a great position or where you want to be and they, they kind of give you Driving very demeaning advice or something like that five bedroom semi yeah. five holidays a year or do you know, money can't buy you happiness <laughs> or do you know what kind of I don't know if it's advice but the kind of you know what's for you won't pass yet I don't know about that condescending it kind of it kind of tells you you have no power over your your own situation or something like that or the wheel always turns that's another one I guess yeah that kind of thing you know what's for you your health is your wealth I well, know that. Yeah, I'd believe okay. I'd no, believe no, okay, that okay. All right. Sorry. That's a good one. Okay. Sorry. That's good, Neil. That's good. All right. Anyway, let's get some more from you guys who are listening right now. The best and worst advice you ever got. Text 0868 104 106. Pick up the phone on 0818 104 106. And a very final one. And I promise you this because I'm going to be talking about insurance claims and fraudulent claims throughout the morning or at some stage this morning, maybe in a couple of minutes' time. But. I did see one that made KilkennyLive.ie there recently uh, and it's up in a place called Bennett's Bridge in County Kilkenny. So they have the local parish hall, right? And the local parish hall can be uh, hired out for, you know, funerals or unfortunately all too often funerals, but also other kind of functions where somebody might have, uh, you know, bingo or they might have a drive on or they might have a charity thing or they might even have, uh, you know, a party Um, But the hall can be available for refreshments after funerals, but only where the sandwiches are made and delivered by somebody with a food license for sandwich making and packaging. Um, So the insurance cover that they've got there has told them that under greater health and safety hygiene regulations, they can no longer make the the sandwiches themselves and bring them to the parish hall for serving. They're probably afraid that there's a kind of like a 
Typhoid Mary who's going to wipe out the village of Bennett's Bridge making sandwiches in the front kitchen. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Okay, so what's the best advice and the worst advice you ever got? Text 0868-104-106. According to this uh, survey, 42% of people said the worst advice they ever got was just stop worrying. It just wrecks their head. 30% said revenge is sweet was the next worst counselling they ever got. And the third one, as an advice given that was bad, marry for security, not love. That was followed then by always speak your mind, which is a very good idea in principle, but unfortunately in the world we live in now, all too often you're being encouraged to stay stum. Other unhelpful suggestions that made the top ten include fight fire with fire, forgive and forget, Money can't buy happiness. And then uh, they also talk about um, work colleagues being to blame for giving the most pointless opinions. Um, I think Claire is absolutely right, though, on the best advice you could ever give anyone. Um, that's if you want to give advice. It's not as best to just mind your own business. But it could well be along the lines of um, go with your gut, wouldn't you think? So text 0868104106. The survey also worked out that the age when people are at their most wise is 48. I've no idea why. I would have thought you would continue to get wise and wiser and wiser as you got older and older. But for some reason, they're saying it peaks at 48. Uh, text 0868104106 on that one. And so, um, earlier this week, um, I was reading that um, one of the good things uh, that the Justice Minister, Helen McEntee, has turned her hand to is to try and reduce the cost of insurance uh, to people and to businesses, right? So by, re- by, say for instance, by reducing the cost of insurance to businesses, ultimately then this would work its way all the way down to people renewing car insurance. And I was talking on the air about a week ago about the lottery of car insurance renewal, particularly if you have three, three or four different people with policies that you know of, and they're all kind of similar drivers, maybe even of similar age, but yet their insurance premium quotes are all over the place. Came across a case last week where uh, one person had double the renewal premium of another for no apparent reason. So anyway, that's one of the things that maybe will happen if they continue to hammer away at fake claims. And I have a list of them just from recent weeks of people who are making false and fraudulent claims in our courts uh, that were either withdrawn when they were cut out to be liars or were thrown out of court when the defence found that what they were saying was actually just a crock of lies. Um, The papers then were talking about what Helen McEntee actually said. She says, what we're doing with this new law, and it's effective from last Monday, is we're saying that if a person goes into a business or if you injure yourself where there's been reasonable steps taken by the proprietor to keep you safe, then you have to take a level of responsibility yourself. I call that common sense and not before time, as in you are also responsible for your own safety when you go into a business. Now, this is kind of like big news because I've never heard this before. And you'd have businesses quaking in their boots with regards to claims against them because a claim could shut down a business. Um, And in one area, of course, you'd see it very much, and that would be certainly in hospitality. Michael Magner has the Vienna Woods Hotel, but he's also a board member of the Irish Insurance Alliance. Joins me by phone. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Neil, and good morning to your listeners. This this is big news, is it? I mean, will there be an impact from what she's actually said? 
Well, look, Neil, over the last 10 years, I think what's clear is we've seen insurance costs in Ireland going out of control. And I think you put it very well at the start of your introduction. It's not just in hospitality. It's across all of society in Ireland, whether you're driving a car, whether you're running a business or you're providing services. So when the government was, I suppose, established in mid-2020, during the life of this government, they gave a commitment for insurance reform. And part of these reforms included the information around the commencement of the duty of care, which is the law that was rebalanced and introduced last Monday. So there is an expectation now, given government's commitment to drive this reform, that insurance costs will fall. And I think what's important to outline is that as we operate businesses in Ireland, many businesses have seen their insurance costs absolutely spiral out of control. But it's also important to say because of the insurance and what might be deemed as the compensation culture that exists in our country, many businesses have been unable, in fact, to secure insurance. And for some businesses, they've been put out of business because of the inability to secure liability for uh, their insurance. Uh, why can't they get that renewal? Um, is it because they've had a claim against them? Um, not necessarily so, but it's given the fact that there is the particular risk associated with the type of business that they may be involved in would perhaps be deemed to be too high for the insurance company even to consider writing a quote or preparing a quote for that business. So what's expected now is because of the introduction of the rebalance and the duty of care, as you perfectly outlined in your introduction, um, the expectation now is that if somebody comes into a business and where the business has taken all reasonable care and you know mitigated as much risk as possible and the person using that business or service needs to be responsible as well for their own actions okay. when working with that business okay. I think that's welcome news okay. we now the, need to see the, those costs reduced but they have come down though you know the, the book of quantum that was done some years back where they actually reduced it there was guidelines given for payouts and there's been a 38% reduction in the amount of money people are getting in court because it was nuts it probably still is but at least it's 30, 38% less and that's resulted in a 40% reduction in, in the amount of people actually going to court have there been any impacts on that with regards to that? Yes, absolutely. So you're correct. The Book of Quantum was introduced in March 2021. Uh, sorry, the Book of Quantum was replaced in March 2021 by the judicial guidelines. And that has seen an impact on insurance costs, but unfortunately, not enough. And we're seeing that insurance costs are still, for many businesses, well out of sync in terms of what it would be in even across the border in Northern Ireland or indeed across Europe. Okay. And what the, the rebalancing and reform of insurance wants is that insurance of course it needs to be available of course um, if persons have an injury or they feel the necessity to, to exercise their rights to seek compensation for an injury or an issue that they may want to address with with a business they have the right to do so but equally the business must be able to trade in a business that's viable and in some cases because of insurance costs it's put some businesses out of business. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it also has impacted on solicitors and barristers' fees that have dropped significantly as well because of the reduction in payouts and what have you. I get that. So would it be that would the difference be, say, for instance, and somebody should be able to make a claim if, for instance, they were walking down the steps of a business hospitality, it could be a restaurant or, or a hotel, and there was a broken step uh, and they fell down the stairs, that would be a fair claim. But somebody walking down the steps of the same hotel, for instance, in high heels, having had too much to drink, would not be a fair claim. 
Well, it, it depends on, on the example illustrated. Um, I, I'm not sure that will be a full example. No, but I'm saying with level of personal responsibility. You like somebody um, at a wedding, for instance, in high heels, dancing for or, or what have you, and, and twisting their ankle. Do you know what I mean? Would that be personal responsibility? I think there's a, there's an onus now because of the commitments of the legislation that you know persons they have a responsibility for their own care. Where if it's found that the dance floor in question was perfect, um, well then you know the responsibility in this case now because of the legislation is down to the person who's dancing on the floor. However, if the dance floor was deemed to have holes in it or and wet. the heel of the shoe uh, basically stuck in it, well then there's the responsibility on the operator of that business to to make good or their business or, or that area of the dance floor wasn't fit for purpose, if you like. So that's where the, 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 the issue is and the rebalance of it is. Because prior to Monday, the fact of the matter is that regardless of the condition of the floor, whether it was fit for purpose or not, unfortunately, all the responsibility was borne by the policyholder or the business. Uh, I see. You had to defend it 100%. No, because I was reading of other cases then of people who did have people of all ages coming in it could be play areas for kids. I read the story of Huckleberry's Den, a play centre. Another one was a karting company. Another one was a bowling centre. And more than were like ice rinks, horse riding, indoor football. Um, all of them are living in horror of acclaim. But yet you would think that in all of those cases, like horse riding or ice skating or indoor football, or indeed even going into a bowling centre or a zone karting, it comes with personal responsibility, doesn't it? You know that you could be at risk and you need to mind yourself, right? Absolutely. And that's the in- I- I absolute spirit of which this legislation is intended to, to, to resolve. Because prior to it, unfortunately, the reality was that you go into any one of those uh, activity centres that you outlined and the, the burden of, of protection was on the policyholder and not the person using the businesses. And even though there was waiver forms, that could be signed or whatever, unfortunately, they weren't fit for purpose. So really what was required was a rebalancing of the legislation and hopefully the legislation will will rebalance it. And really what's required then is for insurance companies right across the country that operate in Ireland, uh, they now need to see this as positive news and then start passing on those reduction in premiums, not just to motorists, but to businesses, activity centres, and also, more importantly, those businesses that in the past have been unable to secure insurance should now hopefully secure insurance for their business and that's really important. I also think it's important to point out as well, Neil, that you know, in Ireland there there is a, a certain, I suppose, cohort where they, they, they there is a compensation culture or there's perhaps uh, you know, cases of exaggerated or fraudulent claims. I mean, you know, that, that's despicable and that's unacceptable. But the fact of the matter is here is that insurance is still there to protect the business, but it's also there to protect persons who have valid and reasonable... Oh, no, I accept uh, that for people who really have genuine cases. But are insurance companies fighting claims enough in, in the sense of we hear all the time of them things being settled on the steps of the court or we hear insurance companies telling people it's cheaper to settle because it'll cost us more do you know what I mean it's it's almost given a like a, 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 a red green flag to people to claim because you'll get something 
Well, look, I think insurance companies will always take a position in terms of the round or whatever, um, and, and that, that's their business model, and they have to do that. It, it would be my contention that if there's a claim against a business, uh, that it's, it's really important that there's transparency right through in terms of working with the insurance company and the, the, the representatives that the insurance company would employ to defend the claim and to take the policyholder right through from start to finish. And if it's deemed that it's reasonable to, to settle on the courts uh, as steps, that's no problem. The only challenge, of course, around that same meal is the data isn't available because it isn't actively recorded per se in terms of the stats that you mentioned there around the Book of Quantum. Oh, yes. Or, yeah, 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 or, yeah. or the judicial guidelines per se, or in um, in the case of PIAB, which is the Personal Injuries Assessments Board, and there's reform underway on, in, in that piece as well. And if cases are being settled with outside outside those mechanisms, it can be harder to, to, to quantify it then as well. So how do we stack up then with the rest of Europe with regards to claims or indeed indemnification insurance for business? Are we much, much higher? Absolutely, unfortunately, um, we, we're 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 an outlier. Um, first of all, in terms of insurance costs, we're an outlier. Uh, in in terms of even on the island of Ireland, we simply go across the border, and I think it was illustrated very well recently in a, in the documentary by a broadcaster, whereby uh, they illustrated you two activity centres: one trading out below the border, and one across the border. And there was many tens of thousands of euro in the difference in their annual premiums. And then if you go into mainland Europe uh, to see the cost of, of, of insurance, but also the level of claims in terms of the awards that are made for particular injuries, etc. They are, they are much lower in Europe than they are here in so Ireland. So are you saying that in the rest of Europe they claim less and those that do claim get paid less? Absolutely, because the, okay. the laws are, are probably a little bit more robust and uh, unfortunately they, they, there is a different culture around it as well and that's something we need to stop in Ireland as well and I think it's important to say also you know, the, the, there was a, in addition to the reform piece that we've mentioned in those actions, there was also the establishment of the uh, Garda Insurance uh, uh, Fraud, the Garda National Insurance Fraud Unit and that was established as well and that was set up to tackle fraud that may uh, be maybe deemed to be going on in terms of claims as well and that needs to be exercised more because if there's an indication of a fraud or an exaggerated claim, this office was established to address that and then uh, I suppose address it and, and, and apply the penalties. Are, are you saying where somebody was found in court to be making a false claim should be criminally prosecuted by the Gardaí? Okay, so, so this is different before you get to court that basically if somebody was making a claim and during the course of the claim it was established that the claim was exaggerated or fraudulent uh, that the guardian would investigate this particular uh, a claim and then determine or not whether or not uh, there, there is case for uh, prosecution in that case. In court, of course, as well, uh, it's important to point out that the law has been strengthened as well in terms of perjury. And, and if somebody is found to be perjuring themselves in court they uh, they are subject to penalties as well as a result of that. But I never and, see that in court. All I ever see well, is that they get thrown out and they get costs against them. 
Well, you know, that's a, that's a question for the judiciary then in terms of it's demonstrated that there's an example of perjury and it's clear that somebody has lied in, in the court. Well, then, you know, we, we need uh, the judiciary and the legislators, etc., to start, you know, applying the laws that, that exist as well. Yeah, OK, because sometimes you've got multiple, multiple claims. I'm going to give a list of those in a few minutes. People who are constantly before the courts with claims and successful in many occasions until eventually they come a cropper and one is rejected. Um, but there never seems to be any recourse to law in any of those. Yeah, and, and that's a good point as well, that perhaps there, there's an argument for some sort of an establishment of some sort of, of database, for want of a better term. Because nobody could be that unlucky to have six or seven different claims against Cork or Dublin City Council, for instance. Well, it's certainly unusual. <laughs> there's no doubt about it. Okay, okay. Uh, but... Uh, you know, the point is if there are persons or individuals who um, have a history of, of taking actions against whatever body, organisation, business, association, etc. And, and, and if they, they have been awarded damages as a result of their claim, you know, there should be a, a file or a record uh, that should be established because it could provide indicative information to help you know, make decisions on whether or not uh, these claims are somewhat exaggerated. And look, they could be wholly valid as well. But if they're exaggerated, then, you know, they, 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 that's, that's where the, the law and the, the, the I suppose, the, the Gardaí need to come into play as well. OK, thanks, Michael. As always, Michael Magner from the Vienna Woods Hotel, board member of the Irish Insurance Alliance. Were you ever involved, actually, in a case where you knew that the person who was claiming was making a fraudulent claim, um, but and you were, you were, as a result, stitched up and there was a big pay? out made and indeed your insurance subsequently went through the roof text 0868104106 more calls after the break call the Neil Prenderville show now 0818104106 Red FM Linda Murray Linda Murray has uh, zone carting and uh, had a number of small number of claims and she said the premiums for zone carting jumped from two and a half thousand euro in its first year of business to twenty six thousand euro a year uh, in the space of a 10-year business model. So within 10 years, from two and a half grand to 26,000 euro. Unsustainable, she says. Text 0868 David Broadley uh, worked with Lloyds of London uh, for over 20 years and probably has seen it all, possibly could even write the book. David, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are um, you? Just picking up there on what Michael Magner was saying, uh, comparing Ireland to the rest of, of Europe as an example. Any thoughts on how we compare? Well, my under, um, a judge in Ireland actually before COVID did a review, and my my recollection of the, what what came out in the news was that Germany's German settlements were something like four a quarter of Irish settlements, or, or Irish settlements were were four times. So typically, a, a twenty thousand settlement in Ireland would be like a, a four to six thousand settlement in Germany. And was this before the changes? You know, we had the Personal Injuries Assessment Board bringing out this book of quantum that reduced all of the payouts. Even even after that, those that, reductions, we're still four times higher than Germany. No, the, 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 the quantum book of quantum was, what, 2021? Yeah. Yeah, so before, this was pre-COVID, so which was 2020. Oh, okay, um, so we've gone some way to reducing the gap then. Well, that that would be about. I would say that was it's probably a, a tip of the iceberg, really. Um, you know, it's, it's one of the things that I bumped somebody's car in Middleton um, a couple of years back, and it literally you could barely see the scratch in the bumper. And um, he went away, got a quote, 
to have it done in, in some place in, in Cork City, a registered repair place. Mm. And they, they wanted something like six or 700 euro to fix it. Um, there was a registered place in Cove who would supply the guy with a car for the day and fix it. And he offered me a price of 150, um, including hiring the car for the day. Um, I put this to him and he rejected it. Um, and then I got the guards involved and the whole thing disappeared. Um, mm. so, you know, it's, it's, um, I think there's a, basically I think what he was looking for, he was, he was going to get free parking for the day near his place of work. Um, so he was very happy to have the, the, the ridiculously high insurance quote. What about the motor insurers certainly need to do is to look at, um, the cost of, um, all of that stuff. Same with the medical. If you go and get a, um, if you get a private uh, medical cover, or if you um, and the cost that any you sign off in hospital will be far more if you have insurance than if you went in and bought the same treatment yourself. No, um, the, cost, well, the cost of VHI or, or Leia would be much higher. The the yeah, but if when you get your bill. Um, lying there and you're signing off it in the hospital the actual um the 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 numbers that the hospital put on the on the sheet that you sign off is way more than if you'd actually gone in there and bought the treatment yourself which you can't do though because that's why you have the private health insurance but that results in much bigger payments to the hospitals the life insurance policy and therefore bigger premiums when you renew that's that's right. Um, certainly, my own experience when I I paid for my own back in uh, back uh, um, um, operation, the, the 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 price I paid was way less than that would have been for um, sort of the next person in the bed who was on VHI insurance. Mm, mm. I think a lot. I think a lot of what um, the minister McEntee was talking about is taking responsibility for your own actions. You know, behaving like oh, a grown up and having a bit of common sense. It's kind of almost indirectly saying there's too much fraudulent claiming going on and there's too much claiming going on from people who actually are responsible for their own actions. That's how I'm reading well, it. Yeah. I, I, think, I think that's absolutely true, but a lot of that stems from the courts. Um, if if you feel that somebody in, in, in the courts, the judges here, would be very anti-anyone um, suggesting impropriety against the other side, um, and and consequently, so the judges are on the side of the defendant who's making the claim until it can be really proven that it's not true. Absolutely, absolutely. You've got to you, you've got to sort of almost have videos of them, you know, sort of somebody claiming they're in a wheelchair, and you've got to have videos of them, um, or even if you produce videos of them, um, sort of running around the park on a, a Saturday afternoon with their kids, um, you know, you would you would be frowned upon. Um, also, obviously, yeah, there's, 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 there's that side of it. Um, I think, I think the courts but, are. But well. insurance companies now are hiring private investigators, and they are. I mean, there's the case of a fellow who withdrew a motor yeah. insurance claim. The court heard. The court was shown video evidence of him walking around with without yeah. the crutches or without the wheelchair, 
Um, it was yeah. a guy called Constantine Iosko. It's a Dublin case. He was suing the Motor yeah. Insurance Bureau of Ireland. They compensate victims of uninsured or untraced drivers. He claimed to have been struck yeah. by a car which couldn't be traced while he was on his bicycle. But they showed video footage in court shot by a security firm uh, walking to the car, removing crutches from plastic wrapping, picking up the wheelchair, placing it in the boot, walking around town and other parts of the city completely unaided. Um, in fact, they also filmed him lifting the wheelchair and crutches out of the car and bringing them into the house. He had been looking apparently for 60 grand. It was thrown out. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, that, that, that's lovely to hear. It's, it, uh, that's a very recent development in Ireland. Um, well, obviously, I'm 20 years out of date. I, I left the insurance industry in um, 2004. Um, but certainly my recollection of back in the day um, was that the, the courts would be very, very anti anyone trying to produce that sort of evidence against somebody. Um, and you'd have to be very, very sure of your ground. There, yeah, yeah. Well, they certainly seem to be doing it a bit more now. Why, why do you talk about, it says here, it's an Irish thing. You, if you know your neighbour is fraudulently claiming, all too often people do nothing about it because you won't dob out the neighbour, is it? That's, yeah, um, it was interesting. I was, I was, um, I was listening to um, classic, classic FM or whatever they're called, um, N- N- Niall Bolan mm. um, last night, and he he was um, in, in talking to people about would would you drop somebody in if they were uh, on the dole and in a full time work, and and the, the vast majority of people were saying no, they wouldn't. Mm. Um, mm. And and that's that's it's all part and parcel of the same thing. You know, if you live next door to a teacher, and she's doing, um, he or she's doing um, two grinds every afternoon after school. Um, you know, is she paying her in? Is she is she declaring that to the the Indian Revenue? You know, that could be a but but on. should but should just a, that's kind of like an off topic, but it's an interesting one nonetheless. Should people be squealing on neighbours who are working and claiming, or are people who are doing foxers or you know making a few bob on the side? No, no, I, I, no they, I, I don't think they should. You know, certainly in my my experience, I haven't, um, and I wouldn't. Um, it's not my job. It's not my place. Um, for a start, I wouldn't presume that I know their circumstances and their their situations. So, um, and it's none of my business what the, my neighbour's doing. Is sort of, I used to live opposite a, a B and B, and it wasn't until my mum came over and stayed that I realised it was a B and B. Anyway, that's a, that's a complete aside. No, the, the yeah, it's one of the things I, when I was working in the insurance industry back in the eighties, and involved in some degree with motor, it was my opinion that what the countries should do is to, if they got hold of and consolidated all the liability claims, um, and and put that price so what you pay your insurance when you fill up the fuel. Oh, I see. A bit like doing that with, say, road tax. Put it into the yeah. cost of a litre or what have you. Absolutely. And if they did that and then... You would never have uninsured would... drivers then. Correct. And and all of that side of things goes away. You would then have a central to the government, whatever, who would invite various insurance practitioners to manage the the annual claims and um, people would go and insure their own car if they wanted to 
but you get rid of all of that side of things. Because you're paying for it at the pump, yeah. Pay for everything where you get your... Yeah. Well, I guess with the... the Yeah, would that work with electric vehicles, though? Maybe that's for another day. Well, that's... Electric vehicles are a disaster. Volvo have recently shown that they cost, it's, what, nine years to get CO2 parity on the battery pack alone. And the battery packs are only only, uh, warranted for eight years. And after so, the eight years, then, they're they're useless, yeah? Well, well <laughs> they're only warranted for eight years for a reason. Now, if the manufacturers won't warrant them for more than eight years, mm. and to get, to get the CO2 back for making um, EV batteries is nine years, then, you know, and, and on top of that, EVs are, what, 30% heavier than normal cars, so you're looking at significantly more tyre wear. So you and so it, so for every battery that's made for an electric car, um, it takes nine years um, of use to negate the amount of CO two that was produced correct. to make the battery. That is what Volvo said in a report earlier this year. Yeah, that's insane, isn't it? Well, the whole the whole EV thing is a con. The whole climate thing is a, is a complete scam. Um, it's scientists who want the research. You, you, um, you, you think uh, you think that climate change is a scam? Full stop. Correct. The, all of these raging temperatures we're seeing and the melting of the polar well, ice caps—all of that's a scam. Well, the, the polar ice caps aren't melting. The only place they're melting is down in Antarctica, where you've got volcanoes underneath the ice. So none that's of this right. is a consequence of man, mankind. If you, yeah, I would. Pref- um, if you in um, Google Ian Plimmer. P-L-I-M-E-R. He's a professor at, um, he's a geologist, and he's got, he's done all the studies going back hundreds of millions of years, and he can tell you what the CO2 level was. The Earth has been in and out of ice ages, although, you know, the Earth has spent more okay, time okay, with okay. That, without ice caps than with ice caps. Yeah, um, that's all very well, if it was true, but it's certainly having an awful lot of impact on people living on the planet, right? No matter what you do. Where? What are we talking about? At the, the moment, the planet has never been greener in the last several hundred million years because of the extra CO2 that's been put. And NASA, the NASA satellites show this. The, the planet is something like 30% greener because of the... And also, the other thing is plants. When you've got highest levels of CO2, plants have, have lower... Um, on the other side of the, the plant's leaves, you have things called stomata. And these are where they exchange the, the, with the air and get the, take the CO2 in. When you have higher levels of CO2, there are fewer stomata. So in drier conditions, plants with lower stomata have, um, are less susceptible to drought. Okay, so the more CO2, the more that um, plant life and vegetation thrives. Absolutely, okay. yeah. It, it's, right. it was, at, um, uh, with what we got down to, or the planet, the planet took itself down to what two eighty ppm, and at one eighty ppm, all plant life dies, and that okay. means the okay. death of the planet. No, no, I don't, I don't want to get too technical. Uh, I'm going to park it there right. because I'm quite sure other people might have opinions and thoughts on that. Although it's off on a slightly different tangent, but thank you for it nonetheless. Thank you for taking the call, David Broadley, uh, ex Lloyd's of London. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. I have some more examples of uh, fraudulent claims. Uh, after ten, and your calls and texts are welcome. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Now, the Neil.
Prenderville Show, Red FM. Meanwhile, it's day four of our giveaways in association with Multi-Trip Blue Insurance. Every day this week, €250 euro cash plus one Multitrip.com travel insurance policy. But when you're heading off overseas on holidays or weekend breaks or what have you, you're covered with Multitrip.com. So not just the travel insurance policy, but €250 euro cash as well. Um, three songs, three artists, you have to identify artists and songs in the correct order. Uh, we'll open the phone lines, run about 10 minutes to midday. Uh, and again, these are all holiday, travel and adventure related. So don't call just yet. But these are the three songs what you do need to be identifying. Cover me in sunshine. Don't know when I'll be back again. Back your and leave tonight. All right, those three in the right order. Artists and titles. I'll give them another couple of spins between now and uh, 10 to midday. Texts in already, uh, talking about the recent weather or weather to come. In the Bible, 40 days and 40 nights of rainfall is called the Great Flood. Remember, in the Bible? In Ireland, we just call it the summer. For others who are also accidentally emergency dialing with their Samsungs, it's happened to me once or twice in the past, the panic trying to turn it off and that noisy alarm, very scary. Says Eilish, my sentiments exactly. The pa- you go into like panic mode trying to turn this off because we don't want to be calling the emergency service. There's nothing wrong. And then you got this siren blaring as well. With regards to Neil's phone problem, when carrying a locked phone in your hand, an accidental double tap causes the screen to open panic mode. Just try it on the phone and check if it happens. Yeah, I could try it, but do I want to do that and then end up bringing the emergency services again? I don't think so. I'll take your, I'll take your word for it. Um, accidentally, how do you accidentally double tap with your thumb, though? I mean, think about that. Uh, good advice and bad advice. There's no point in worrying about it because if it happens, then you have to go through it twice. Uh, I think you're saying that this is good advice or bad advice. Um, don't worry about it, because if you worry about it, then it happens. It's double the worry. <laughs> the best advice you can give to any child or teen is to never look down on any person. There's only one race, the human race. Uh, Neil asks about the worst advice, uh, that I had to get married. My whole life with one person scared the hell out of me. Thankfully, society no longer minds that I don't want to get married. Wasted so much time trying to make relationship work. So why bother? Love to chat to you on the air about that, actually, about whether you ever felt you were stigmatized because you never wanted to get married, but yet you were being told that you had to get married. Think about that if you want to chat. Text 0868104106. More advice. If you can't afford it, don't buy it. Another one. Always marry someone who likes you more than you like them, as they will always work harder to make you happy. Ah, that's kind of unkind, isn't it? Poor misfortune who loves you more. Is that good advice or bad advice? I think it's been given as good advice, though, isn't it? Um, Anyway, best advice. Live every day as if it's your last. One day you'll be right. That's the worst advice I was ever given, says she. Um, Be miserable in comfort. Who would give anybody advice like that? Be miserable in comfort. Another piece of advice that I wish I'd never got. Trust the science. That was COVID advice, remember? Trust the science. And Donald says, there's no elevator in life. You have to take the stairs. That's the best advice I ever got to see. Keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. The best and worst advice you were ever given. On funeral sandwiches. And funeral sandwiches are actually a thing, you know? They're the trays with the sandwiches all cut up. Uh, no matter where you go or where you get them, 
um, you know, you'll always associate them as being funeral sandwiches. And I was telling you about the parish up in County Kilkenny that are no longer allowed to bring their own made sandwiches into the parish hall. Health and safety gone mad. They have to get a licensed company provider of sandwiches to do it instead. Texter says, nothing unusual there. For years, I played at parties, supper dances, etc., and the leftover good food was regularly delivered to Simon or Penny Dinners. But it had to stop years ago due to health and safety. Good thing or a bad thing? Uh, years ago, a prisoner tried escaping from Cork Prison, got on the wall, but fell and was injured. He won his compensation case. Um, well, where's the where's the personal responsibility there? How would you win a case like that? Uh, I totally agree with you. I've never seen anyone prosecuted for making false claims ever. Uh, and I've seen big money handed out to people with totally exaggerated injuries. Sure, don't the courts love... Sure, don't the courts love handing out big money? The solicitors and the barristers also make big, big money out of it. And there's more on this on insurance claims. Who are you trying to make fools of? We all know with laws like this, it's the ordinary person who's going to be at fault and the insurance companies will be laughing all the way to the bank. You'll also see a lack of safety in some of these businesses. Kevin says, uh, up in the north, they have a set amount for car claims, like two and a half grand for whiplash. I'll come back to those claims, uh, quotes, or the actual limits in Ireland in a few minutes' time. Neil just quoted the Justice Minister about taking personal responsibility. Pity she didn't advise her colleague who fell off the swing at the Dean Hotel. Thank you for that. Keep them coming. Text 0868-104-106. Back after the break. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818-104-106. Text 0868-104-106. Just going back to a story I had earlier on. I know I'm jumping around the place, but it makes it more interesting. I was doing the papers earlier on this morning and telling you about the amount of people who collect Barbie dolls. And in the middle of the paper review, Claire managed to find a girl by the name of Glenda Taylor up in Sligo who actually has over 700 Barbie dolls um, <laughs> it's just an incredible amount of dolls all of them bought Barbie she joins me by phone Glenda good morning good morning Neil how are you uh, 700 that's not a misprint no 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 700 um, I've lost count so it might be slightly over when was the last time you counted them all oh must be two or three years ago <laughs> and have you added Freaking. since Pre-kids, I have, yeah, I had, I've added a few since then. Not a huge amount now, but um, I tend to buy more for the quality now as opposed to the quantity. But I'm a few coming en route from America now with the, for the Barbie movie. All right, so sooner or later you'll be hitting the 800 Barbie doll uh, mark. It'll be, a little, it, it'll be a little while, it'll be a little while. Okay. I say I'm, I'm just cheating over the 700, but 720, I'm, I'm guessing. I mean, like, I have so many questions. Where do you keep them all? Um... So listen, very fortunate. Uh, we built our forever home there a few years ago. So I suppose when we were planning the house, it came up at that stage, what do we do with the dolls? Do I keep them or basically get rid of them or sell them off or whatever? Um, I don't think I could ever sell them. You know, they the hold too many memories in some ways. Um, so I decided to keep them. And if I did, I had to have my own doll room. So I have my old room in the house. It's painted bright pink not that you can see the walls um, it's shelved floor to ceiling um, and it's full it's full of dolls yeah not just dolls but all of the extra apparel that comes with the dolls all like the bits. castles and cars and swings and a few bits like that yeah so um, I was very fortunate I must have been a good girl when I was younger because Santi was very good to me is that so how it started Santi first that, was I'd it? say so i say Santi was the, the, the starter um 
So, yeah, I got lovely horses and carriages, um, camper vans, cars, um, when I was younger. So, I still have them. So, you're like still a Barbie museum at home then. Do you invite the public in to have a look? I don't, no. I suppose we moved into a house just before, just before the second lockdown. So, um, yeah, I suppose not many people have seen it just with COVID and everything. It just really skewed things, but... Um, have you particular favour? I mean, you know, we talk about over seven hundred. Are they all individually unique and different? Oh, there would be, yeah, there would be. So I'd have Barbie, and then I have her extended family, her sisters, um, her friends, cousins. So they'd all come under the Barbie umbrella. Ken, have um, you many Kens? I do indeed. I have a real life one, but uh, I have a good few. <laughs> to marry a Ken. I did indeed. <laughs> Intentionally? Oh, no. No, he, that's not his real name. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's not his name, but uh, he, he's very he's very understandable, I'll put it that way. Oh, that's a pity, because um, the headline would be brilliant. Owner, oh, of seven, yeah. owner of 700 Barbie dolls marries Ken. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? Oh, it would be a newspaper headline, in fairness. But, um, and are yeah. they insured? Like, do you have a value on them? There's a woman in the UK has kind of like almost like a similar amount to you, and the value of about 25 grand. I've never gotten value, to be honest. I suppose I have a good few from when I was younger, and I bought some that was off eBay. Condition might have been 110%. So I suppose a lot of those wouldn't be worth a huge amount. Right. Maybe in a couple of years, you know, then increase in value. Okay. Um, yeah. I suppose I am a member of the, the Barbie fan club since 2004, so I'm focusing more on the collector dolls from America. So um, hopefully in a few years they would. So a lot of it. yours, not all of them, but looking at the photographs, a lot of them are still in their boxes, untouched, right? Yeah. Okay. I suppose 70 or 80% will be in boxes. And that's very important for collectors, isn't it? Art would be, yeah, it holds their, their value a little bit more. Um, now, I suppose I do the box one or two, you know, if it, sometimes you can't actually see them in the box, you have to take them out, um, or if the box gets damaged in postage. But nine out of ten times, I try and keep them in their boxes. Yeah, because you were I saying... I safer too, for, yeah, you know, for yeah, dust and things like that. Yeah, you were saying um, at some point in your life, you discovered credit cards and eBay. I and did. It, and everything, <laughs> everything changed. That, that was my downfall. Um, yeah, so when I was younger, the Barbie magazines. And when I discovered eBay then, these dolls that were in the magazines actually existed. <laughs> so I was very excited. So I bought one or two of those. And I suppose it all kicked off from there then. One or two little shows. And just, I suppose, in my own head, momentum builds a little bit. So, yeah. Uh, I got my first collector doll. Um, I think it was in 19... What's a collector doll that. then? What is that? Is that a very rare old one? So it'd be like a, a limited edition one. What's the oldest one you have? Oldest one. I have two ponytail Barbie dolls from, I'm not 100% sure of the year. I must get them checked by somebody professional because um, it's hard to distinguish them. So she's either from 1960 or 1961. And when did Barbie, old. when did the first Barbie dolls appear? So her birthday would be the 9th of March, 1959. She was released at the American Toy Show, the Toy Fair. And are you working towards the 1959 Barbie, are you? No, they would be worth a lot of money, so I'm talking lotto. A lot of how much? How much scenario? Though, um, for a really nice one, you could be near looking up at eighteen, twenty thousand. Wow! Dollars for yeah. So um, listen, if you won the lot of that, would be something that would be the aim. Yeah, yeah. And do you or to sell some of the cheaper ones? Do you have like what will happen to them? You're a, you're a young girl, for instance. But anybody else yeah. in the family taking an interest in them? 
have two little girls at the minute, so they're four and two. And I suppose the door has been of the room has been left open a little bit more than normal. Normally it's under lock and key, literally. So, oh. um, so the four-year-old has discovered it. Um, so, yeah, listen, I don't think I'll ever part with them. But definitely, I say it'll be to the two girls. Yeah, pass them on. If they show an exactly. interest, pass them on exactly. for sure. Do you have a particular favourite of the 700 nod? Oh, that's like picking one of my girls. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, listen, they're, they're all unique in so many different ways. I have a few designer dolls. So one or two of the Bob Mackie ones. I love them. Um, my oldest ponytails. I like them, even though it didn't cost me a huge amount. Uh, but I suppose my wedding day, my husband got me a doll, a Barbie collector doll in a wedding dress. So <laughs> you didn't, you didn't, get, married, you didn't get married in pink, did you know? I didn't. No, I didn't. <laughs> ah, I didn't. But I had a little Barbie Dior, but just for all the, the critics out there who, <laughs> you know, I'm not a crazy cat lady, but I'm a crazy Barbie lady. So I had um, <laughs> I had a little Barbie wedding scene besides cake. So just to have my own little nod towards it. And did you go and see the film? I did. How I many did. times? Listen, I, had to, I had to go and see it. Truth be told, twice. So I went to see it on the Friday night um, when it was released. Um, but I knew I had an interview the next day. So I didn't get to enjoy it because it was there... T- analyzing it and trying to remember lines and you know things like that so I went to see it with another group of friends and I'm much I really enjoyed it the second time around because I was more relaxed watching it you know type of way so I have to tell yeah. you that there is a 62 year old super fan over in Germany called Bettina Dorfman do you know yes. her? Um, I know of her yes yeah. I'm friends you... with her on Instagram alright you're, oh, you're <laughs> pals the two of you do you know how many yes. dolls she has then? Oh, she's a Guinness World Record holder. I, I want to say over 18,000 or something the last You're spot on. Could have, the last count she did now. was over 18,500 yeah. Barbie dolls. Yeah. How in the name of God, like, would she manage to collect that many? I don't know. And it's only but since 2005. I know, fair play to her. Fair play to her. Oh, but, my God. Um, Can you imagine where she's put all of those? Never mind your seven and hundred and odd. <laughs> I know, like, my room is... is or she must have a house or a warehouse somewhere because um, you would be overrun with them. Like so. Well, you're yeah. you're a lot younger than um, Bettina, so by the time you hit sixty-two, you could have an number. Oh, like I that. don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Listen, um, I'm fortunate to have what I have, and I'm so fortunate with that amount of interest there has been in my collection and the movie. Like it's it's been overwhelming to be honest. Um, but somebody yeah, somebody said you put them on dis- you put them on display in a shop window in Sligo Town, or at least some of them. Have you? I did. Um, I'm actually in work today, so don't tell the boss she's here <laughs> somewhere. Um, but I work for a few competitions in Sligo, and I have some of them in the window just to celebrate Barbie. And on the other side of the window was the uh, window for the Women's World Cup. So it was all complete girl power. <laughs> Bring it on. Listen, thanks for taking the call and let you get back to what you're doing. Hey, listen, thank you so much. Bye, Glenda. (laughs) Take care. Bye. Bye bye. Bye to everybody in Sligo Town. Tell me how much of this I have to play. I'm under instruction. All of it. I secretly love it. Song, but it's, a little, it's kind of creepy, isn't it? You know, it's fine Barbie singing, but the other fella, is that Ken? Come on, let's fool around. Barbie wouldn't fool around. Like 
Although, girl power, Bobby should be able to do whatever she wants. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Mal says, easy way to lose listeners, talk about Barbie. Thanks for the tip, pal. That's probably advice. We're looking for advice this morning. The best advice and the worst advice you ever got. Text 086-8104-106. Thank you for that piece of advice. I was telling you about um, uh, insurance claims in Ireland and the uh, amount now that are being contested in our courts. The big change was this thing called the Book of Quantum Personal Injuries Assessment Board reduced the payouts for different injuries. There are loads of them. I'll be here all morning giving you examples of them. But they, they, they you know, simple little things like a nose fracture where you recovered before um, was like up to 22 grand. Now there's a maximum payout for that, something like three grand. Um, there are different ones then for... Uh, brain damage depending on how bad the head injury was but it could have been anywhere up to over 60,000 that's been capped now at 25,000 for instance uh, soft tissue shoulder injuries uh, before there was a payout of up to 33 and a half grand for that now depending on the injury it won't go beyond 12,000 so you see big reductions there uh, other types of shoulder injuries then like frozen shoulder and things like that used to have a maximum payout of 60 grand now it is a maximum payout of 35 grand. Then there's stuff like the old whiplash, your old friend uh, whiplash. Um, that used to have a payout of up to uh, 19,400 euro before, but now uh, it's got an absolute maximum payout, uh, depending on how long it takes to recover from the whiplash. And there is genuine whiplash, but as well, there's fraudulent claims. So before it would have been like uh, 19 and a half grand. Now it's uh, at 12 grand. There are loads and loads of different ones. Minor leg injuries used to have a payout of 60 grand. Now it's got a payout of 20 grand. So in spite of the reductions, it still doesn't stop people fraudulently claiming. And there was this motorist who was rear-ended by a bus that took a claim um, in Dublin for 60 grand damages. Uh, It turned out that um, he suddenly swerved in to pull into the bus lane in front of the bus, right? And this was before the courts uh, and uh, there was um, a judge who heard it who wasn't having any of it. Your mum was claiming he had a neck injury and lower back injury and everything. But when the judge actually saw the video footage, she threw the case out. But not only that, awarded damages against your man uh, for two grand for the damage to the bus and it cost him 35 grand in legal fees. Then there was another fella who had made 12 injury claims um, and made a 13th and it kind of uh, all fell apart from 57-year-old who had in the past been awarded €140,000 in multiple personal injury claims. He was a serial litigant and got forty grand in the past. He actually told the judge to F off when the judge struck out his latest claim. Um, found that he was repeatedly lying on the stand. So he had 12 separate personal injury claims over 20 years. He was a very unlucky character. He's before the court again looking for 60 grand, claiming that he tripped and fell and hit his head on the windowsill in Dublin city centre. Uh, same guy now was previously given a suspended sentence for racist abuse at Indian restaurant staff. So apparently he arrived at the four courts in a three-piece suit. Very jovial mood shortly before the case loudly inquiring in the corridor if any settlement had been offered. He said, well, did you get me any money? No settlement was offered, so the court case went ahead. Uh, his own legal counsel asked him if he any previous claims, and that's when things started to unravel for him, because he said three. Of course, the defence for the insurance company knew that it was 12. So that element of doubt then had the hackles of the judge up. Um, and uh, in spite of the fact that he had in the point made, in the past made multiple claims for tripping on cellar doors or walking down footpaths and tripping and falling, the judge threw that one off. 
while he was leaving the, leaving the court, uh, he told the judge to go and F off as he was walking out. And then there was the case of a, a woman who was also making a 60 grand claim, but they had CCTV footage showing her slamming on the brakes of her car to be rear-ended. Um, and she sued the van driver who ran into her from behind. A Dublin social worker withdraws a personal injury claim. 60 grand was the claim she had. But there was CCTV, of course, and that was shown in the court. And that was another one that came off the track when the judges decided, no, uh, not having any of that. And she had costs against her as well. And there are reams of other ones just like that and lots more besides. Text 0868104106. And other news this morning, we're talking about um, a fill of home heating oil. You can have, a, let's say the standard tank can be 500 litres or 1,000 litres. Let's take the, let's take the uh, 1,000 litres. That now will cost you over uh, 1,000 euro now for a fill, whereas three or four years ago you would have paid half of that. Uh, Texter says a 20 kilo bag of smokeless coal was 12.50. The current price now is 19 euro and is due to rise yet again. Um, actually, now that I think of it, I'm not quite sure what size that tank was. I mean, the average, what would the average fuel tank be if the cost of it now is well over a thousand euro to fill it? It's probably a 500 liter tank, I would imagine. And then on the cost of everything, I feel like I'm texting moaning, uh, but I work very, very hard, as does my husband. I have a child starting secondary school in September, and like everything else in this day and age, it's costing us a fortune. Because we're married, own our own home and work full time, even though we barely make ends meet. You see, we aren't entitled to anything about have family members unmarried and in social housing, not working, but both getting welfare payments with the child the same age, going to secondary school and boasting that they're getting a €1,000 back to school allowance. I'm just wondering, does anyone else find that unfair and frustrating? But not only that, I know most of this money is being spent in other ways and is not being spent on their kids. I can't understand it. People are getting a payment for school supplies, but why is it not paid out in vouchers at least? Please, whatever you do, do not give out my details. Text 0868104106 on that one. Um, I was contacted some time back by Claire, um, and she sent me an email, which we did a little work on, talking to the AA to see if they could explain it to us. But the email said, uh, I recently went looking at a used car in a garage in County Cork. It came with an AA-approved sheet. However, on test driving the car, the car wasn't driving too well. My friend was with me. And he would have a good idea about cars. And he pointed out to the salesperson who was with us on the test drive that the car had an injector issue. And also the suspension of the car was clearly faulty. We asked how could this car be approved by the AA while there were issues with the car. The salesman said that the garage approves the cars themselves. It's done by Cars Ireland's website. So basically my understanding of it is Cars Ireland sells AA approval to the dealership surely this is wrong because it's not actually AA approved I didn't buy the car after that but I just think you should make people known or sorry I just think that you should let people know that this is not this is not what they may think love the show says Claire Uh, so I actually managed to get my hands on one of these vehicle inspection reports which the AA sends out to uh, to garages, I guess, and it's got a 101-point inspection checklist. But who does the inspection? That's a question to put to Blake Boland Communications with uh, AA Ireland, who joins me by phone. Blake, good morning. 
Good morning, Neil. Uh, I think you already had a, a copy of that email, so you were aware of um, the uh, of the worry and the query of, of, of the listener. How, how does this system work? Yeah, well, we, we did. We, we were informed by you there, um, was it last week or about yeah. 10 days ago? Yeah. And we um, we obviously weren't happy to, to hear about this, but at the same time, it's great to get feedback to understand what's going on with our AA-approved dealers. So... Yeah, you you have a number of questions about it, and uh, and and rightly so. But it's um, but the aim of this really is to improve the, the, the improve the standards of used car dealing. I know uh, I've been in that situation before. Perhaps you have yourself, Neil, where you go to buy a used car, and it's it's a little bit daunting. So people are looking for for ways just to to trust that process. Well, you, you're more. taking things on trust and for sure. You are. You, you may well get a three month warranty, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but you want to buy something that's fit for purpose. That's right. And like the AA now, we, we've been operating in Ireland for 113 years at this stage. So there's a lot of heritage and history there. And we like to think that we're a brand people can trust. We've been rescuing people by the roadside for a number of years now. So one of the ways that we do this just to try and raise these standards is by having the AA approved network and AA approved cars. And there's a whole process that goes there. So garages have to be taken on board. They have to meet our standards. We're very strict about that. As you can imagine, we're trying to defend and protect our own brand here as well as we help people and then each car has to be checked um, and there's, so there's a number of processes that go there now unfortunately you've mentioned the, the email there and obviously we're not happy to hear that but one thing there's actually a lot of things that we don't know I'd love to be able to address that particular uh, complaint or that email that you got but we have no idea which garage this is what the car was when it happened where it happened um, so the, the emailer that, that you got uh, we can't address that particular one unfortunately because we have no information but how Okay, but how how does the so I'm just curious as to how the system works because I've seen photographs then of cars um, at different dealers saying photograph of the car saying AA approved, but the AA hasn't approved it. You haven't like you don't inspect it. Sure. So it, it, it's it, there's a lengthy process. So dealers have to be taken on board with us on, on on the program. So when one of these dealers takes in a car, that car could be for a range of purposes. For example, it could be a very old car that was just taken in simply as scrappage and will never be put back on the road again. Other cars might then be sold on to other dealerships or put up for auction. So when a dealer takes in a car and they decide to put it on their on their lot on their forecourt. They're, they're going to be looking at just to make sure that this is in a condition now to be roadworthy, to be tested, for people to take out for test drives and see if they like the car. So on our 101-point check, that happens at the point of sale. And that's for a few different reasons. So one is that if they take in the car and it's AA approved, and it might sit there for a couple of months before it's actually sold, the car is getting weathered, and also they're going to miss out on that 12 month. Because one of the things that we do, once you actually buy this car, it gets its 101 point check, that dealer will then inform us, the AA, and we will get in contact with the customer who bought that car, and they will get 12 months free AA membership for roadside rescue. So we don't want to be cars to go out on the road. That's good. Free membership is fantastic, and that is a great offer. The 101-point inspection checklist is bodywork, brakes, steering and suspension, under bonnet, everything to do with under the bonnet, lighting, uh, road testing, uh, seat belts and airbags, interior, under vehicle checks, and wheels and tyres. It adds up, and then there's a final check of everything, I think maybe even for a second time, and it's 101, and all of the boxes have to be ticked that the work is done. But it's the people selling the car do it. So how do you know that they actually do the checklist? So 
they they have to submit. There's a lot of paperwork that happens here. So for us to actually give that 12-month membership, contact the customer, and for us to be happy with that. Now, we can't go out and inspect every single car, of course. But we have, like, just to give you an example of how, how we, we deal this, we were up to about 230 garages on the network that we were taking in. And we're building this slowly because there's a whole process to get them on board. That's now down to 207. So about 10% of the garages are no longer on our network because Why? they didn't meet our standards. As in they weren't and, doing the checklist? Well, there's a whole whole different host. Like if the dealers are selling the cars, they have to report that back to us so we can then contact the customers to give them their 12-month membership and keep everything there in, in order. And we also do spot checks on the garages. So each garage will be audited every three months or so. And we also do spot checks as well. So we've done, as, as you can imagine, since we got your, we were contacted by your, your station there recently, we've done a lot more uh, checks in the Cork area that we didn't know which garage unfortunately we haven't been told that so if we're visiting another garage who's getting audit we might do spot checks while we're on the way to that garage and other ones as well and have you a figure for the amount that you said there was 230 now there's 207 why say for instance those 23 are no longer part of the vehicle inspection program is it because they you see here, here's my worry firstly you do have over 100 years of heritage and trust and i'd be worried that your your heritage and your brand of trust would be damaged because you're not doing the inspections and i'm, and I'm also curious as to whether there might be a bit of false advertising going on here when you say false advertising which what are you referring to well if 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 i see an ad for a car that says aa approved but the AA has never seen sight nor sound of the car, never sat in it, never test-drived it, never had it checked. You're, you're, it's, it's not really AA approved, although somebody has paid you for the right to advertise it as being AA approved. Am, am, I, am, I, am I reading that correctly? So as we said earlier on, yeah, we can't go out to see every single car. And that's why we're only bringing on the trusted dealers, the ones that meet our standards. And we have the spot checks to follow through on that. So yes, you're right in that we can't go out to see every single car. But that's why we only work with trusted dealers. If they don't meet the standards, if they fail the inspections, they won't be brought on our network. So one of the uh, part of the audits that we do when we go out is even to investigate their workshop, to audit their workshop as well. Do they have the right tools to carry out this 100 one point check are they in a position to carry out those checks to the standards that we have set out mm. so really and this comes back to the point what we're trying to do here is to raise the standards of used cars absolutely and, and everybody our... wants that because all of us want to drive safe cars or a son or a daughter starting out with a, a, a pre-owned car to get into a safe one and they probably would be attracted to AA approved have you gone in and inspected every single dealer on the list well, each one has to go through numbers checks. So we would meet with the garage in advance. This isn't simply that, that they will just put up a sign. We have to meet them. After that, if we're happy that they are in a position to come on the network, we then send out our auditors to make sure that, as I said, the workshop is up to scratch, that they can meet the standards that we set out. And they do get audited after that as well on an ongoing basis. And we can see that because we're seeing the paperwork that's coming through as well. If people are buying cars that get sent on to us as an approved car that was sold, we check through the paperwork and then we bring them on as AA members. So they get that breakdown rescue by the side of the road and a number of other discounts on their car insurance, travel insurance, home insurance and things like that as well. Did you used to go out and, and check cars? Was that something that used to be done in the past? Um, 
well, it's a 113-year history there, so um, I can't track back to you through every year. Are, are you talking about the AA-approved programme? No, I'm just wondering, is, is this something new in the sense that you used to check and pre-approve cars for customers um, before, but now decided this is a better way to do it, that it might be better business? I'm just curious as to what motivates you, because this is very much based on trust. Safety is very important yeah. to cars, but you are relying on not having cowboys misusing yeah, there has been networks in the past. We actually got sent um, on, on social media a picture of a sign and we couldn't date it, but looking by the photograph, it looked to be a sign from the 50s or 60s. So, so there has been a number of, of programs in, in the past. I mean, as you said, it's a 113-year history there with Irish Irish motorists um, covering everything from breakdown rescue through to, to home insurance and even travel car ins- home insurance now as well. So looking at the, at the wording saying AA-approved, that doesn't need to be changed or clarified in any way, you know, to, like with an asterisk saying we're going on the trust of the garage, the 101 things were checked for you in advance, no? Well, the programme is constantly being, being looked at and we're developing this. It's really taken taken off this year as, as more more garages come on. So we will constantly be, be refining and looking through. And, and I know that I've had a lot of conversations with the, the people that are running the programme over the last week or two. We'll be giving them the feedback. And they've obviously done a lot of investigation, especially down in court garages over, over the last week or two. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely it's an ongoing thing. As we said already, the, the main aim here is to kind of build those standards to, to raise them up and, and that will be refined and, and improved and we're also looking at rolling out warranties I haven't been shouting about it so far because it's in development stage but beyond that 12 month membership and roadside rescue we're looking at doing further warranties as well because we want to be able to stand by the okay. cars okay. that we have from our trusted dealers Yeah, from trusted dealers for sure but if, if 23 of them are gone or knocked off as garages um, does that what happens to the people who bought a car from one of these knocked off garages that had AA approved when they bought it? Well, they might not have been. We don't know the reason, but it depends on which garage you're talking about. So you said that you had no. I'm just because I don't want people going around in cars with bad brakes. You said there was 230 on the list. There's now 207. Yeah, each garage that, that would be, be taken off or is perhaps on a temporary hiatus as well because we, ca- we need to put in certain works to bring them up to standards. Each one of those reasons is going to be different. So if we had a particular reason, we'd, we'd go through it, but there's a whole host of reasons that they might not be coming on. Yeah, but that, that's still a worry, isn't it? You still have knocked off garages that previously were on the 101-point inspection checklist who possibly sold cars that they didn't check. It, it, that comes down to an individual basis as well. So we would love to find out if there's any situations that we can address, of course. Okay. Um, I, I mean, me, me personally anyway, just to say as a punter, I'm still not 100% sure that this is a, a great way to do business. Do you know what I mean, Blake? It's very much, it's, it's just very kind of, it's very grey, Well, as I said, we we're putting in these very, very stringent checks we, we audit the dealers. We have to make sure that they meet standards to come on. And that's something that's ongoing that we continue to audit as well. And we They do could be using your good name, though. You know, that's, that's another worry. Again, that and brand, that, that heritage. Like, like, that's why we took so much care to engage with you on this. And we've been speaking to your producers in the background as well in advance, just trying to find out as much as we can, because this is something that we do take very seriously. And we really do want to raise those standards. We want to be able to 
have people in a situation where they're much more inclined to trust what's going to happen here to give them a little bit more faith in the process so when they're buying the car they know okay I'm getting my 12 months membership with that I'm part of that ecosystem now where I've been looked after a little bit more there has been checks there yeah. and that just helps we feel that that really does help raise the standards in Ireland to give people a lot more to trust compared to other avenues that they might buy a used car we feel like we are pushing those standards a lot higher Um. And and it works by the the car dealer pays, say for instance, is it Cars Ireland or Cars Own, and then they pay you, is it? So the the AA approved is, is with with the dealerships. So they they may be advertising some of the cars online as well, but the the AA approved system that that's us. That's our auditors that will go out to the garage. The relationship we have is is with the garage there. Okay, and say for instance, if somebody is buying a car with AA approved on it, again, caveat, you haven't actually seen the car, you're going on the trust of the garage. What do they get? Uh, Do they get just a copy of the ticked checklist, is it? They don't get any extra information or backup information on work done to the car? That will depend on the individual car. Some cars are coming in, we'll we'll need next to no work, no work at all. Other ones, as you've mentioned earlier on, perhaps a little bit of body work, perhaps the alloys need some attention, perhaps the tyres are a little bit too worn, and there'll be various amount of work, so that will depend on, on each car. No, but I mean, every, every second-hand car is going to need some kind of work, you know? It's not a case that they just tick every box um, with a tick. Like, surely they would have to show that there was something done. No, even even steering or, you know, like a, like it could be something to do with, you know... Uh, you know, brake pads or something. Yeah, and the car, and this this will all be be noted as well. So that's why we have the one hundred and one point check. So it's not a case of we think the car is fine and we put it out. That's why we have such detail there, and there is that paper, paperwork trail that's there. So once that car is sold, the garage does inform us, and it's at that point then that we contact the the customer. And just to to reiterate as well, it's at that point that the one hundred and one point check is done. So the car that's on the lot uh, maybe with an approved dealer. It's an approved car once it gets the check and then it starts to go within the AA process. But why would it be, why would it, I won't keep you much longer, but why would it be needed at all, for instance, if the dealer is selling a car that's already has been passed an NCT? The NCT would do that 101 point check, would it not, anyway? Well, the NCT comes around at a certain period of time. But what we do is when, when the customer buys that car, they're getting the 101 point check at the time and that's then going to activate their membership once we get in contact with them. So it's, it's, it's at that point then that they get that confidence. The NCT might not be due for, depending on the age of the car, as you know, for another few months or, or a certain period of time. Oh, so it could be with something car. that's got three or four months left on the NCT. Yeah. I know what you're saying. Right. Okay, so I that's think, what we're trying to do when okay. the customer comes out. That's the yeah. Okay, I hope people are clearer on it now. I, I certainly am. It's very much based on trust of the dealers and making sure that you are only working with trusted dealers. Be- before I do let you go, do, do you see do you see any chance of petrol and diesel prices coming down anytime soon? I know you guys are constantly doing pr- um, four-court fuel sur- uh, surveys, aren't you? That's right, yeah. yeah. We released the last one about two weeks ago with uh, petrol prices sitting around 165 and that was the same as the previous month. Now, diesel was up by two cents to 155. Now, it looks like there will be some small increases. Now, the markets are pretty stable at the moment, but if you remember correctly, going back a couple of years ago there, we saw prices well in excess of, of two euros and the government uh, cut the excise duty, but we're now, we've had one of three tranches as they reinstate those excise duties. So, unfortunately, 
unfortunately, even if everything else seems the same within the market, on September the 1st, we're going to see 7 cents up on petrol, 5 cents up on diesel. But what's the barrel price then, Blake? I mean, it's come way down, hasn't it? It, it has come down, all right. Yeah, but as as you know, in 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 Ireland, we pay a lot of uh, a lot of duties and and taxes on the fuel. So we're seeing those being reinstated. Then with the final one on the thirty first of October, that's another eight cents on petrol and six cents on diesel. So much of the increases come at Irish level, state, government imposed. A, a huge amount of the the, the tax. Um, is is yeah sorry a huge amount of the cost is put on a tax and if somebody wants to jump onto our website we have all this broken down so we've got a blog post there about the recent um, the recent costs in terms of what the average prices are but there's also a full explanation between NORA between duties um, and so the whole on. breakdown yeah that's up there on our, our website and it's, we're seeing that for EVs now at the moment as well with uh, prices have been a little bit stable the last few months but they're massively up the cost of electricity and as you mentioned that ties back to to the level of gas on the wholesale market and we're not seeing that and this is not just EV drivers this is people at home as well they're not seeing those price drops it's charging an EV driver now 1,158 euro to charge their car annually would that still be substantially less than petrol or diesel it would? Yeah, now that's an average EV driver and we work that off a number of different matrices there. So just to, to give you a little bit of detail, like if, you know, if you want to save yourself a few quid on, on your tank of diesel, you know if I drive down the road, there's a cheaper garage just there or you can pick it up and it might be a couple of cents, you know, give or take cheaper. But with EVs, that discrepancy, that difference is massive. Is it? So if you've got, oh yeah, yeah. So I'll give you a good example here. Let's say you've got a smart meter at home and you've got a particular rate, a night boost rate with Electric Ireland, for example. If you can charge at that two, and you can program your EV to charge at that two-hour period every night, and if you do that, you'll cover the national average, which is 17,000 kilometres, for 403 euros. Now, if you charge exclusively on the public network and you don't have your membership set up, that's over 2,000 euros. Good God. So there's a massive difference there. So okay. if people do have electric vehicles, be smart about how you charge them. Just very, very quickly, because I'm over time, one final thing I noticed last week. They want to fine people for driving their cars, their petrol and their diesel cars. One stat that was thrown out was some kind of, a, I don't know, is it a, is it a kind of a, a tax of, like something said 150, 160 euro for a Cork Dublin trip. What's, what, is that nonsense? Oh, well, I know what you're referring to there. Yeah, so if we take that back about two weeks ago, the government released the tax strategy group report. And basically what it is, it's looking at the shortfall in revenues that the government will experience by 2030. So we just spoke about EVs there. Now, at the moment in Ireland, if you've got your petrol or diesel, the bigger the car is, the more fuel it uses, the more emissions and the more you get taxed. But with EVs, whether you're driving a little Volkswagen E-Up or a big two and a half ton SUV, you're paying the same road tax just because the car has a plug on it. And people are what the government is going to experience is a massive drop in revenue from various different taxes, the way, you know, on fuel charges, on Correct, because of EV, yeah. And that's about one and a half billion euros per year. So the question now is how do we make that back? But are they going to charge people and how would they do it? Would it be be picked up at the tolls or what? It'll be done in various ways and we're seeing that now as well. But what you just referred to there, that charge of, you know, heading towards a couple of hundred euros from, from Cork to Dublin, we don't see that happening. We may well see road usage charges coming. There's actually Project Bruce, is what the government are calling it, for better road usage charges. And we may see some of that. But the idea that you'll have to pay an extra 170, 180 euros as a road usage charge to go from Cork to Dublin, we don't envisage a figure anywhere near that. But we can be sure that the charges will be coming in some ways 
and we will have to change as we move over towards electric vehicles. There will be charges to drive your car. It's inevitable, you're saying? It's, it, it looks like that. Now, that might be congestion charges. People will be familiar with London, you know, the ULEZ zones, the ultra-low emission zones. So we're definitely going to see some types of charges. We don't know what they're going to they're be. They're reversing yet. out of that rapid at the moment, though, the Conservatives. They're realising this is not a winner with the public. We saw that, but then Rishi Sunak just uh, only in the last um, day or so said that uh, that the, the incoming upcoming ban on petrol and diesel sales is there to stay. So there's uh, and really what happened, especially with this tax strategy group report from two weeks ago. This is the, the government flying the kite and just seeing which way the wind is blowing. What are people reacting to? How does the media take to this and so on? There's there's, there's a lot of work to be done between now and then before we see what these charges actually That's are. That's how they do it. That's how they do it. Blake, thank you so much. Covering an awful lot of ground this morning. Appreciate it, Blake. Bowling Communications with uh, AA Ireland. Text 0868 104 106. Uh, we'll come back to after 11 and overtime. Now, the Neil Prenderville Show, Red FM. Day four of our giveaways in association with Multi Trip Blue Insurance. You'll get 250 euro in cash plus one multitrip.com travel insurance policy. Essential individual cover uh, right across Europe. So you can get further details uh, multitrip.com yourself. Uh, but every day we've got one to give away all of your travel needs. Very important to have uh, some kind of travel insurance, whatever it may be. And Multitrip Blue Insurance is a good one. I have it myself. So €250 Euro cash plus a Multitrip.com travel insurance policy. Three songs, artists and titles in the right order. Uh, I'll play them now, but won't open the phone lines for about another 40 minutes. But have a listen now. Fairly straightforward in the sense that they're all kind of holiday, travel adventure related. Okay, um, artists and titles in the right order. Uh, meanwhile, a lot of texts and different things. We're talking about the cost of everything, particularly with regards to fuel going up. And I mentioned earlier on this morning the cost of home heating oil, a thousand litres. So this would be, yeah, as I said earlier on, I got, I was wondering it was 500 litres or a thousand euro, thousand litre. But if you take a thousand litre tank, uh, even a couple of weeks ago, it was 900 euro. And in 2021, that would have been 683 euro for a fill. Now, for the first time, it's gone over a thousand euro uh, for a thousand litres. One thousand and thirty-six euro and seventy-two cent. And again, a lot of that, of course, will be tax, government tax. Uh, somebody else suggests this is my electricity bill. Um, it's a work one. This is really good, as we were paying thirteen thousand euro per month last year. Imagine that, 13 grand a month. The last four months, it has dropped drastically. And they sent me the bill to show a decrease. I mean, if it was uh, 13 grand a month last year, it's coming in now at about, what I can see, just over four grand. That could be seasonal as well, though. I see that the billing period is July. I'm wondering if that could be some of the difference. But anyway, as you can see, the day units are 15 cent. We were up at 40 cent last year per unit. But I shopped around to find cheaper. Don't mind all of the other charges. These are just associated with high volume, um, stuff like that. They operate substations and things. But in my home electricity, I cannot get cheaper than 40 cent at the moment. Even though in the business, they were able to get 15 cent. Nonsense that the home electricity bills have not come down yet and all the declared profits through the roof. Um, they say inflation was down to 5% in Europe. But Ireland's growth of 3.3 distorts those figures. So because our electricity and petrol has not decreased like other countries, we can say we had growth, I suppose. 
but it's the people at the end of the day who get screwed, says Chris. Now, I can follow that. I hope you guys can as well, although I have a lot of the evidence here in front of me with regards to the different bill charges. But one point there is actually the different rates percent that you can get. And it's very important when you are renewing that you check with all of the other utility suppliers. If you're with Energia, look at Electric Ireland. If you're with Electric Ireland, look at Board Gosh, that kind of thing. Do check around. You know, we were talking there with the AA a few minutes ago and Blake was making the point of, say, charging your car at home. Say, for instance, if you had a smart meter and the huge difference in price. He said that if you have a smart meter at home and you have an EV or a hybrid, it could cost you, if you do it at certain times and you can preset your you know, car to, to charge. Like, for example, I know because my wife has a hybrid car, for instance, and we were with Energy and we recently renewed with Board Gosh. Board Gosh will give you an option um, between two o'clock in the morning and five o'clock in the morning. I'm open to questions, but I think that that's in and around correct, say between two o'clock and five o'clock, something like that. You can charge your car for free. So if you've got a timer um, and you can time your car to charge, do it at that time and it's free. There's no charge, zero. You have a different option then as well with Board Gosh. Far for this to be an ad for Board Gosh. But you could decline that one and take a different offer where you get free electricity at the weekends. So these are the kind of options that you might get if you decide to change supplier. They, they're all trying to outdo each other with deals. So the overnight free charging is certainly a good one for somebody with an electric or an EV car. Because otherwise, if you don't use your smart meter facilities or get cheap night rates, um, you're going to pay an awful lot more. So the difference would be if you have a smart meter, €403 Euro a year to charge a car that will do 17,000 kilometres as opposed to over €2,000 a year to do the same distance on public chargers. All of that money adds up at the end of the day. Sadly, unfortunately, there's very sad news this morning where a man died this morning following a road traffic accident involving a heavy vehicle in Cork. It's understood the pedestrian, it was a pedestrian, passed away early this morning. He was struck by the truck on about five past five this morning. Um, down around Castle Martyr. Now, uh, earlier this morning, that area and the road in and around Castle Martyr was closed to traffic and there were diversions in place. But isn't it awfully tragic? Another death on the roads, on our roads here in Cork. Indeed, deaths all over the country in recent days. But this a pedestrian struck just after five o'clock this morning. Back after the break, text 0868104106. Hold on there, Con, back after these. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. So the problem with, the, if there is a problem with the vehicle inspection checklist, the 101 point inspection checklist that must be done on your secondhand car by the garage that's selling it to you, if they have the vehicle inspection AA approved logo, is that it's very much based on trust all the way along. The AA is relying on the dealer to be trustworthy that the 101 different inspections are actually done. Um, Texter here says the ad, that the ad will say on the car, you can go online yourself and check it out and look at all of the different uh, car sites. You'll see a photograph of a car, you'll see the garage that has the car, you'll see the price of the car and all that. And in the top left-hand corner, using the colours of the AA, it will say AA approved, which means that that car has been approved by the AA relying on the garage to do the work. Texter says the ad should say that the dealer is AA approved as opposed to the car being AA approved. Somebody else wants to know if I buy an AA approved car and there's an issue with it, 
Is it the AA stands over it? The answer to that, to my knowledge, is no. You're, if there's a problem with it, your problem would be with the dealer who sold it to you and hopefully the car will be in warranty if something goes wrong with it. Does that explain? Ask Mr. AA about the car renewal I got this morning from them. €564 Euro last year. This year, €914. Euro. No claims made. Nothing has changed except I've had one more good driving experience. A year more of a no claims bonus. I'm a 35-year-old who drives Arctics, for God's sake. A different company with a new policy is offering me €420. Euro. So your insurance uh, to renew is 914 you got a different company who are offering you the same for 420 Well, I think you know what to do next. Anyway, back to the phone lines we go. Con, good morning. Yeah, good morning to you. How are um, you doing? Good. Have you, have you thoughts on the um, AA-approved cars at Garage Four Courts? Neil, I have, of course. I just listened for that. We're up here in Leitrim and we're listening in. And yeah, this this is a it's a bit, it's a bit of a gimmick because I've been driving, I've had Mercedes Benz since 1991 and I've still got them. And the checks that they do, it's all, a lot of it is done by computer. There's nothing, it's not a, a physical exam, you know. And it's not always done. It, it, for that to to be an honest deal, is quite often not very straight, uh, Neil, you know. Yeah, you, you, you plug into diagnostics for a lot of it. I, I get that, certainly for the engine yeah. and things like that and, and, yeah. um, and the brake systems and things. But there are bodywork checks, um, you know, for damage or corrosion or paintwork. Um, you know, there are, there are but, physical checks that need doing to a car for rust and stuff like that. You know, well, wipers and wiper blades, you know, things that you need to look at. It's the wear and tear, they call that, I think. A lot of that stuff is on, on, in constant use, you know. But I've had trouble with paintwork with Mercedes-Benz. They do everything they can to get away from it. Even the salesman said to me, look, he said, I know nothing about paint. He said, I just sell you the car. Mm. That's the kind of stuff that you deal with. It's unbelievable. And it's the same, it's the same everywhere. I've no doubt it's the same here in Ireland, you know, as well. But if you look at the the 101 point inspection checklist if every one of those is ticked you you really if the garage is trustworthy you have a perfect car do you know what I mean so in well, theory in theory it's brilliant yeah but some of the cars come out of the out of the the, the manufacturing plant and they have problems with them you know it's not to fight to locate a hundred how many a hundred and one hundred and one point inspection checklist, which means that the car then comes with the with the label AA approved, but only again only if the work is legitimately done. But for some of that, there's some serious investigation to be done to locate those components to be checked. This is this is if you open up your bonnet of your car, uh, Neil, you you can't see very much, you know. But I, I, I've had trouble with... Look, I just changed my car there last year. For the first time since 91, I went away from Mercedes-Benz. I went to a private dealer. Not long after, I had a suspension problem. No, the car was quite a new car, a very expensive car. And they were trying to blame the roads. And they were, I said, look... And eventually, they changed it under the warranty, which often, again, the warranty is not very... That's not 100%. Why does warranties for second-hand cars come with kind of exceptions to it? Of course, I've had, look, I've had some, look, I've had two cars, actually, so I know a small bit about warranties. Sometimes warranties are not worth the paper they're written on. It's a, sometimes, I'm not saying all the time, but sometimes, you know. 
But if you got a 101 point inspection checklist done by the garage with the stamp AA approved, that's proof then that you really have that garage over a barrel if anything goes wrong. Oh yeah, but then it gets complicated with the litigation thing. Lots of people avoid litigation because they may have to invest money up front to state their case or to win their case or just to take to take the garages on. See, a lot of people avoid it and I've done it myself. I've avoided what's the point, you know? You just have to learn from it and go somewhere else. So if you saw an ad in a dealer's selling a car, um, any kind of a car, second-hand car, maybe a 13C or a 14C that said AA approved, what would you think that meant? Nothing. What I no, would no, do what do you I think that the ad is telling you? That would tell me that there has been 101 checks done on the car and they're all to satisfaction and uh, for satisfactory road use. Who's what yeah? But who? Me. What does it? Who, who did the work? What does the ad tell you about who did the work? If it says AA approved, does that not mean that that car should have been approved by the AA? Well, this is what I'm trying to start getting at. Do the AA send out their inspectors to check the, all the work that's been done by the dealer by the garage? Of course not. No, the dealer signs up to agree a level of quality set out by the AA. Um, Standard check that they expect them to do is 101 point inspections. Uh, They say it would be impossible for them to check every individual car, but they do audit the dealers to ensure standards are kept up. Right. So that would mean they do spot checks. That's all spot checks. Well, they do spot checks in the NCTs as well. That's what's the difference. Some of these people, they come out and do a spot check on the car on an NCT or MOT in England on occasions to see if that work was done. It's basically the same thing. But I think that um, the AA actually just trust, like you said there just a while ago, that the AA are trusting the dealership at the garage who are saying they've done it. That's it in a nutshell. It is all based yeah. on trust. It's not actually anything that the AA can mechanically or technically stand over on a car-by-car basis, though. It's honesty or dishonesty. It's one or the other. That's all it is, Neil. OK, OK. Um, nice one. Loving the photographs you sent to me on Instagram. You're still on tour, my man. Where are you these days? We're parked up here today in, in Leitrim, in a marina, in a rented uh, riverboat. Where do you get all the time? You're clearly retired now, Con, are you? I am retired, yeah, I am retired. But I've got Miss Marsh here with me to keep me, navigate me up the river. Do you know something, Neil? Look, you can, you can forget about Bora Bora at Tahiti. This part of the world is absolutely unbelievable with its beauty. You know, up here, we were up there, we stayed a couple of nights up here in, in Loch Key. Up, uh, in, in, what a place and now we're up in Leitrim tonight we're taking the vessel back tomorrow morning are you on the Shannon or what is it the Shannon yeah now? we're on the Shannon now yeah we were up in the boil yesterday we're in the Shannon for the night and we're heading down the Shannon tomorrow we're handing the boat back in good condition as we found it that'll be checked it's a bit like cars you just said. No, I've done the oh. Shannon. I had a fabulous week on it when the sun was absolutely oh. blazing are you finding Ireland expensive yes but you know something? It's better than me going to the Galway races and losing the money, is it not? Isn't it true? Isn't it true? 
Of course, you could go to the Galway races and win a lot of money too, can? Yeah, but, uh, I've never been that lucky. <laughs> right. Anyway, safe travels. Thanks for taking the call. Cheers, my man. Take care, the great bye con, bye Lucy. Hi, Neil. I don't want to be named, but I work in the motor trade. This approval is being pushed on dealers, aggressively pushing it on us. When asked who is checking this, they want us to drive the car for a few minutes and want us to give it the thumbs up. It's a money-making machine. We, the car dealers, do not want to push this. It's wrong. It's not fair on our customers. The guy from the AA said he was after letting a lot of garages go. Uh, I wonder. I wonder. No, I mean, I'm, I'm taking everything that I've been told on face value. In theory, of course, this AA approved is a good idea. But again, I come back all of the time being on the basis of trust. This is somebody who's working in the trade, say that all that some of them do, or his, in his experience, he says, we drive the car for a few minutes uh, and always give it the thumbs up. But tell me this, come back to me and say, do you go through the 101 point inspection checklist one by one by one? Because if you were going through every single thing on this checklist, and it should be done to every secondhand car, to be honest with you, because they need to be safe on our roads and you need to be buying exactly what you think you're getting and vice versa. You know, you need to be sure because you're paying big money. Secondhand cars are not cheap. You need to be sure that it's, it's 100% perfect. You know, you understand natural wear and tear and things like that. But safety is paramount as always. So to do 101 point checklists on any one of these cars, they're quite detailed. You know, it's all the way down into the drive belts and the hose clips and the transmission and, you know, everything checks for leakages, wheel bearings, suspension for all of them, all the shocks and everything. It would take you a long time. You're talking about hours of work per car here. Here's hoping it's being done. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818-104-106. Okay, guys, you know the drill. Have a listen. Cover me in sunshine. Don't know when I'll be back again. Back your beds and leave tonight. Off you go. Call a 9-0818-104-106. €250 in cash and a multitrip.com travel insurance policy. So get dialing now. Artists and titles, please, in the correct order. Uh, You talk about the NCT. It's a joke. I remember Neil years ago dealing with a mother. I believe her name was Paula, whose daughter bought an NCT-approved car and was killed shortly after because of defects. You are right. I remember it. It was awfully sad. I spoke to Paula Murphy uh, about her late daughter, Amanda O'Flaherty, and Paula was saying that Amanda would still be alive today if her car found to have defective shock absorbers after the fatal crash. If her car had failed the test, but it didn't, it was passed. And it transpired that um, she had defective rear suspension. And the reason behind it is because an excessive amount of oil uh, had been leaking. The suspension was leaking huge amounts of oil. Uh, In fact, experts said that the defects with regards to the leaking couldn't have developed to the extent that they did in the seven months between the NCT and the fatal crash. But she died in a crash in Cove in 2012. And it emerged at her inquest that Gardy identified serious defects in her Jeep's rear suspension, which made, in the eyes of Vanguardi Shikona, the vehicle unroadworthy. That's the case that you're talking about. Um, and I hope that the NCT has overhauled its system and stepped up its game in the years since. You can text 0868104106, pick up the phone on 0818104106. Lots to do between now and midday, including some more giveaways to take yourself off with the family 
to beautiful Cork settings, wonderful tourist attractions around the entire county. But just quickly now, just to clear the decks, €250 in cash and also um, multitrip.com travel insurance policy. Marie, good morning. Hi, how are you? Are you down in Mahan? I am. Uh, Heading on any holidays or back or anything planned? Um... No, not at the moment. Okay. You know maybe someone... Later on in the year. Maybe later on in the year. Okay, well, later on in the year, when you decide to go, over, decide to go overseas, you may well have a multitrip.com travel insurance policy to use to keep you safe. All right. And also, €250 Euro in cash. So I need okay, these three songs, artists and titles, in the right order. I'm going to play them, so shout them out as you hear them, okay? Okay. Here we go, Marie and Mahan. Cover me in sunshine. Cover me in sunshine. John Denver leaving on jet plane. And Wham Club Tropicana. Well done. Pack your bags yourself. If you wanted Thanks to head, much. if you wanted to head overseas, where have you got in mind? Where would you like to go? Probably go to Spain. All right. Well, get it done. Get it sorted. Thanks very much. Get a bit of sun. Look after yourself. Thanks. Thanks a lot. You're welcome. Cheers, Marie. Text oh eight six eight one zero six. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six for all of the business. But great news. The story that started some months ago on this program is the story of John, who for far too long was living in an abattoir. For now over 40 years, he worked there by day and he was the um, night watchman there and he slept there and he cooked there and it was far too long and he needed a new home. Um, many people got involved in this story to help John get his new home and a few weeks back he got the keys for his lovely little Sheen down in Madden's buildings. Many people came on board then wanting to help to kit out the house, including Brendan from Kelly's Carpets and Flooring in the Mallow Road. Pat Morley Satellite Services wanted to put in satellite television and all the stuff that's needed. Dennis, a listener, wanted to give a television and a DVD player and DVDs and stuff like that. Galaxy Lighting wanted to put in some light fixtures and fittings for him. Swan Beds were sorting out beds from all-in-one interiors in Holly Mount Industrial Estate. We're giving him sets of drawers and lockers and lamps and things. There was an offer of a two-new-seater armchair, electric recliners from Kathleen. Furniture centre on the Watercourse Road said to me, we'll sort John out with the bits and bobs he'll need. Um, another listener wanted to donate money and put it towards a fund. Dolores from the Furniture Centre was looking after that. Kevin O'Hurley from Central was given a €200 Euro hamper for John's house. Another listener said she'd go in and clean the house from before he moved in. Jason said that if he needs anything collecting, his van was available for anything that needs doing. Uh, and then, so stylishly, the curtain makers in Bishopstown, Yvonne wanted to make make-to-measure curtains for John's house. And they're just some off the top of my head. I know there were many other people that were offering all sorts of wonderful things. Well, great news this morning because John's house in Madden's building is now fully furnished. Paddy O'Brien, who advocates on behalf of the elderly, has actually seen the house. He might even be there right now. Let's find out, shall we? Paddy, good morning. Good morning, and thanks again for mentioning that, those people, because, I mean, the generosity of the people was absolutely incredible. But um, you don't have any praise, but I want to say this. This would never have happened only for... Your good like to mention there as well. It's um, a, a very kind gentleman out in um, uh, Grenada, Andrew Murphy. He came aboard with me when we, I was highlighting that lady out in Madden's buildings, uh, Andrew Murphy, and he was in the position. He was able to get a cooker from me, a oh, washing yes, machine, yes, a fridge, yeah. and there's a lot of shelving around the place over the week, at, at weekends. And it was, you know, I'm delighted that he's going in. And um, I will have to say as well, it's going to be strange for him because mm. where he's living presently, 
he'd wake in the morning and he'd probably see cows and rabbits around the place. But it's, he'll be living in what I would call a, a, a built-up area and living in a house, a house. Oh, rooms. there'll be a bit of an adjustment, all right. But I'm, I hope that he knows, hope John knows, he can always go walking out where he loves to be, exactly. you know, into nature. Exactly, yeah. I mean, it'll take him about 20 minutes to walk out there. He, he's quite aware of, of that. Uh, and one of the people I want to thank as well are soup distributors. I'm, I spoke to uh, Dave O'Connor and I'm going out there on Friday and he's going to look after him. Very so, generous so, man himself, yeah. No yeah. problem. Very, there. Very you wouldn't generous. have to ask twice from him. And as you say, you were the first to come out. And I would have to thank Paul Byrne at TV3, please. The COVID regard was just fantastic. And that was the success of the whole affair. And tell me, yeah. what's it like now, the little house? Is it no, just beautiful? No, you walk into the hall now and it's got a beautiful floor covering. Go into the big area, dining room, kitchen, beautiful carpet by Kelly... Uh, um, Kelly, Kelly carpets Kelly. and flooring, yeah, yeah. Exactly, well, very generous. And they spent one weekend walking there in, 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 in a couple of hours on a Sunday. Um, then you have uh, up the stairs carpet, two bedrooms are carpeted. Two bedrooms are furnished, a beautiful bed, a beautiful, beautiful beds, and, uh, and um, one from uh, the... Uh, one would be the furniture set and the other from swan beds I'd say right? exactly yeah. and then the, the cooker it's just laid out beautifully is the kitchen all uh, done and everything like cooker and fridge and washing machine cooker and a fridge a cooker and a fridge uh, again supplied by um, Andrew Murphy and it's a real I'd say it would be the nicest house in Panton's buildings there's nothing needed so is there Paddy no? Sounds no not at the moment no no has no, he got a no, sofa and, and a table to have his breakfast at and we have a, a very kind thing happened is that and I hope you wouldn't mind me saying it um, and the photographer from the Echo uh, Eddie O'Hare yeah he was getting a new furniture and he gave me a most beautiful, beautiful dining room suite. Oh, the gentleman, yeah. And it was belonged to his parents, and I'm showing people, and they're sent to me. You'd imagine it's one of his showrooms. And I want to thank him publicly for this, for his generosity, and there wasn't one penny transacted, not oh, one penny. well said. A beautiful well said. table, yeah. six foot wide, or four, four foot Lighting wide. and everything done, heating done, everything? Uh, it, everything I was grand. I want to thank Kira at Threshold as well, who was very, very helpful with him. A great service provided by Threshold. Where we meet every week, and she's had to explain to him um, his entitlements from one right about the ESP, how to pay the bill. Uh, budgeting, mm. she, she actually will go out physically with him, and he paying this. Is he a meter or what, or does he get a pay? Yeah, a, a meter, yeah. But I mean, the, the threshold people provide that service. I didn't even know that. Quite, but tell quite me honestly. this: like that'd be completely new to John. He'd never completely. had to do this in his so, life before. So this girl here is absolutely doing just everything, and even it's all over. She'll still call once a week to make sure that the washerman is okay, that working is okay, that he's doing things. It isn't a matter of saying we're doing it now and then forget about him because John will, will, will need that that that's uh, that's a board. So he he'll be moving in, please God, next week. We got the keys and it was almost on the twenty third of June. I know it was a long time because you you came out on there speaking about it on the thirty first of January. Yeah. And we're what we're working on it since. And um um, yeah, but here we are, just just out of July, and he's got a beautiful new home. And I know, I know, I know, there'll be a bit of transition for him, but it's going to be great. Yeah, and I want to say this about him: he appreciates what's been done from so much. I know. 
that man appreciates so much. He's such a kind man. Um, over the last few months, I drive into the city hall, knocked the corner, brought her. He, he, he wanted to pay for my petrol. I said, no. He wanted to pay for the parking this. He's just a nice man. And I please God, he will be happy when he's sitting down because there's some very nice people there in Madden. Oh, Madden. listen, nice salt of the earth. I know it well. As you said already yourself, man. Yeah. I mean, he, he can walk out there. In twenty minutes, you know, it'll be beautiful. Father. Delighted from, delighted, delighted. That's a great, that's a great update. All done, and everybody delivered on their promises, and I knew oh, that yeah, they would. Everybody, yeah. it was just marvelous all together. And I, again, I mentioned Andrew that he was in, you know, putting up shelves at weekends, at the weekend, all that as as lunchtime. He, he, without him, I'd, I'd have been lost. Well I'm useless. I'm useless around the house. I, I well, you may well be it. useless around the house, but we would be lost without you. So listen, keep Thanks, doing babe. what you do. You're a mighty man. You really Thanks are. Thanks very much, Ned. Please. And again, thanks to the FM and to Kevin and Seamus. I mean, they work very hard behind the scenes as well in, in, in yeah. getting the house. Yeah. The pressure they were putting on in different areas. Well, it'll be so, lovely. He'll be, in, he'll, be in, he'll be in for the autumn and his Christmas to look forward to. And he's in a beautiful exactly, little village. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And nice I keep one. on saying to him, you're looking lovely. And I said this out in the Commons, Lord, you never know. I said, you might meet a Colleen Das. And every time I see him, I say to him, so I was with him on Monday. And he said, what, what about that Colleen Das? You never know. You <laughs> might get himself a black co- black pool girl. You wouldn't know, Paddy. Yeah, exactly. Like my dad, he got himself a black pool girl yeah. and you never look back. There you go. Yeah. Mind yourself, Paddy, all right? Okay. You can't beat the Cork people. You can't beat the Cork people. Actually, there was talk recently that Killian Murphy was going to be the next James Bond, talking about Cork people. We were wondering if we could, let's say if Killian Murphy was the next Bond, could we put any kind of a Cork twist onto the movie? Um, Jack says it would be more like Sorry's Never Die. (laughs) Another one says the baddie has to be called the Langer, says Leo. Um, Another person says... He'd be in a prison escape scene using Old Cork Prison with some of his fellow actors and Peaky Blinders. Uh, Mike Michal Martin threatening to blow the angel's trumpet off St. Finbar's to end the world could be the plot line. Paul Byrne doing the reporting and Bond dragging himself out of the roundy to stop him. <laughs> Stephen O'Driscoll, I love your imagination. James, it should be called James Bond, Golden Fry. <laughs> Bond with a Cork accent, Neil, would be absolutely epic, says Jason. Somebody else says, a pint of Murphy's instead of the usual tipple, shaken, not stirred. Bond on side. Maybe they could get Roy Keane as co-star. Norries Unite, the film could be called. Um, the problem with that, of course, is that uh, while um, Roy Keane would be Norrie, um, Killian Murphy would be a sorry, wouldn't he? He being from Douglas. Feck the City, it would be filmed in West Cork. Barley Cove Beach for a scene. The speedboat round the Fastnet scene. Dangling from the Dursey cable car could be another scene, says Tara Burke. There's plenty of inspiration down west. Uh, who played the bo- the Bond Bure, I wonder, says James McCarthy. I have no idea. You know, suggestions are welcome. Uh, the, the, Rory says that the new um, tagline for Bond would be Bond, James Bond, boy. <laughs> would, they, would they film Bond getting a hot chicken roll from Centra? <laughs> you guys are crazy. You could have a chase down through the marina market. <laughs> Imagine cars chasing down through the marina market. Stalls on the left and right. Punters being <laughs> running out of the way. Another one would be up Patrick's Hill and, d- and up around the north. Well, I think maybe for Bond, down Patrick's Hill would probably be better. A chase down Cathedral Road, onto Shandon Street, down Pana, up Patrick's Hill. It would be like the hills of Los Angeles. 
beep, beep. All right, bye. Suzanne Wilson. <laughs> There's loads of these. There's just reams of them. I'm not here tomorrow, but I'd like to get Jonathan Healy to read out some more of those if I could. Actually, talking about Cork, the latest edition of RSVP magazine is out, and there's a lovely Q&A with the great Tony O'Donoghue. Uh, he's RT's group football correspondent, and he's on the air with me from time to time whenever we need his his advice or his expertise. But one of the questions that I loved was, uh, Tony, if you could nominate any Irish sports stars or sports team to be on a Hall of Fame, who would you choose? Have a listen to his responses. Sonia Sullivan has to be number one. I was reporting on her even before the Olympics in Atlanta in 96. I was in Athens in June and I was reminded of her competing there in 2004. Like everyone, my greatest memory of her was winning silver in Sydney in 2000. It was great to be back in Australia with the Ireland's women's teams recently. The second would be Roy Keane, another one, because he's one of the most driven and interesting characters I've ever had to interact with. And finally... Denise O'Sullivan, who's also from Cork, is truly a world-class player. So he, he was probably asked for one and he gave three and they were all Cork. So you can take the man out of Cork, but you can't take Cork out of the man. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Morning all. Regarding fraudulent insurance claims you were talking about earlier this morning, I think people with numerous claims are similar to people who get free legal aid for cases going into double figures. It really boils down to a gravy train for the legal system. Judges are totally out of touch with reality. Thank you for that, Anthony. Uh, Now that the insurance claims are reduced, does it mean that legal fees have also gone down? as they have less work to do now. Yes, actually, legal fees have also gone down. Even with the clampdown on claims, my insurance has gone up. Who's the fraudster? I I fail to understand it. I just don't understand why people's car insurance goes up. Our home insurance goes up as well, just because they feel they can do it, even though you never had a claim. It makes no sense whatsoever. It's a bit like, you remember when people started getting work done for subsidence on their home, genuine people who had subsidence on their home. Before you knew it, before you knew it, loads and loads of different people were also claiming subsidence and they were getting work done, substantial work done. And then it got so bad that now you have huge areas of Cork City, lots of different estates and lots of areas of the city that are no longer acceptable for for house insurance because they're deemed to be in subsidence zones. But unfortunately, the reason for that is so many people jumped on the bandwagon and got subsidence work done that was never ever needed. So that's what happens. It's down to greed. In the early 80s, Cathedral Road, the number two bus had a slight crash. Six passengers were on board. There were 43 successful claims without going to court. Um, how... How did that happen if there were six passengers ended up in 43 successful claims? People claiming, obviously, that they were on the damn bus. I blame the judges and the lawyers. They're in it together with these stupid payouts. Hopefully it will come to an end. Look at the amount of things being cancelled over this insurance farce. Yeah, and more and more people also won't be able to put on events because of this insurance farce. For years, the worst offenders were the insurance companies who never defended the scam claims and just paid out on every claim that was put on eventually to the insured person's premium. Great show, but what about the profits of insurance companies? Why should people pay more if they have to make a claim? Are those not business expenses, business risk? Should their profits be limited or insurance be government controlled? So thank you for all of those, which I will hopefully get to read out another few. A lot, lot coming on. Uh, coming in with regards to the AA's system of approved cars at dealerships. I um, hope I'm going to get some, an opportunity to to read out another couple of those and I'll hope to do so 
um, in about three or four minutes' time. But I'm seeing on my list of giveaways all summer long OPW sites, right? Do you know I've been giving away all sorts of family passes to wonderful, wonderful venues across the city and the county. Everything from A to Y. A being Adventure Park at Cartworld, Y being the York Clockgate Tower and everything in between. But on my list is OPW sites. I was very interested to get a little bit more info on the OPW sites, particularly in Cork, right? Because now I have five passes to give away for today and five later in the summer. So five family passes in a few minutes' time for OPW sites. Mary Leamy works with the OPW. Now, she's the head guide at the OPW site at Anne's Grove Gardens in Castletown Roach. Previously was a guide at Donnerail Court, a spectacular place that I visited myself, the entire house and gardens and what have you. And she joins me by phone just before we give away the family passes. So, Mary, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good. Um, the OPW sites, where are they? What are they? Well, I'd have to start with my uh, two sites close to my heart, Neil. And first of all would be, of course, Anne's Grove Gardens. As you said, I'm head guide in Anne's Grove Gardens since the 1st of June. So I'm taking on the challenge with great support from my super, uh, supervisor guide and my head gu- uh, other head guide, Janice and Sandra and Janice. So Anne's Grove is a beautiful place to come to see is peace and tranquility, beautiful walks, trees, plants, and of course the river all big. So the, the bank holiday weekend, of course, is prime time to see all our local amenities here in North Cork and Grove Gardens being in Castletown Roach. Is there a home there? Because uh, I was reading that originally it was the Annesley family in the 1600s or something, was it? It's the, it's, there is a beautiful uh, seven bay two-story over basement, middle-sized 18th century house, Neil, with a stairway going back to the 1720s. And so William Grove um, bought the property in 1628. And uh, they built up their beautiful um, buildings and, of course, house there. And, of course, we have beautiful uh, forge, stables, apple loft, dairy yard, which is is open this year for the public. So we have beautiful 17th and 18th century buildings. Oh, wow. 30 acres of gardens. Of course, so the- planting was going on for centuries, but Richard Grove Ansley in the early 1900s with his wife Hilda created the beautiful gardens you see there. Today. Oh, so a lot of it would have been imported, perhaps quite exotic, I would think, yeah? It's the William, William, it's based on the William Robinson style, um, and it's everything is naturalistic. So it's the natural among the exotic, the exotic among the natural, I should say. And tell me, is, and is there a tram there? It's, it is a retro tram. Uh, we have coffee and tea and cakes. Uh, to oh, and I see. So it's it, for your teas and coffees and scones and cakes exactly, and things. Yeah. Exactly. So it's uh, it's nice to come for your walk and have a cup of tea afterwards. Neil. Okay. So that Anne's Grove Gardens, of which you are the, the head guy. Before that, you were in Donnerail Court, which is a beautiful house. And the gardens are spectacular and it's well worth a visit. So a great show being done out there recently on Nationwide. Did you see that? It was gorgeous. I was part of that, Neil. Oh, well done. Well done. <laughs> I was part of the tour. So my son, Michael, was saying, when are you on next? So uh, it was very good. Because not only did you do Donnerail Court and the house and gardens, but the, the entire town and village of Donnerail as well. Where, where are the other sites? The other sites are in uh, East Cork, the ancient east, of course, Fota, uh, Arboretum and Gardens, which are beautiful uh, trees, again, and rhododendron, magnolias. Uh, beautiful glass houses, a pond, a beautiful walks all year round. Barry's Court is also in East Cork, but of course they're less under renovation. At it the is moment. at the moment. Yeah. It'll be spectacular when it's finished, though. 
absolutely spectacular. An Irish tower house, absolutely beautiful. And of course, West, West Cork then, the Wild Atlantic Way, Garnish Island or Ilna Cullen, as uh, you'd note as well. And of course, Charlesford. Garnish Island, of course, um, has beautiful planting like Anne's Grove. They have rhododendrons and the beautiful trees and Marvelous. so forth. And on an island, and you get there by boat. So couldn't be nicer. Marvellous. So the passes that we have to give away, the family passes, can be used in Ansgrove Gardens in Castletown Roach or Donorail or Charles Fort or Fota Arboretum or Garnish or Donorail Court. They can use them wherever they wish. Exactly. It is. It, we have, we're really, um, since the Ansgrove and Donorail Court, uh, the sites in Cork are just absolutely wonderful and well worth a visit over the Bank Holiday weekend and indeed uh, all through uh, until the end of September in Ansgrove and until the end of October in uh, Donrail Court. Well, I'm certainly going to visit you down in Ansgrove Garden very soon, but thanks for taking the call in the meantime, Mary. Have a good Bank Holiday weekend, girl. Take care. Thank you very much, Neil. Bye. Uh, that's Mary Leamy, the head guide, and our lines are open now for any of the OPW sites that we've mentioned for you and all of the family. Five family passes to give away. 0818104106. Go for it and enjoy. The weather won't be too shabby. We've had better, but God knows we've had an awful lot worse as well. Keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. The best advice and the worst advice. Love many, trust few. Always paddle your own canoe. Wise words from my dad back in the day, says Mags and Balafihan. Love many, trust few. Paddle me your own canoe came in as well for my leash. Same one. Best advice from my dad. He used to say, no matter how much money you have, your name will always be more valuable. I pass that on to my sons. I suppose protecting your legacy. Best advice I ever got was, life isn't a dress rehearsal. There's no second chances. Learn to recognise opportunities and pitfalls before they occur. That's a quite lengthy piece of advice, but good nonetheless. What was it a buddy of mine used to say? We're here for a good time, not a long time. That's a good one. Best advice I ever received. When you start a new job, keep annoying your boss. Approach them with the most mundane problems. After a small period of time, they will start avoiding you instead of the other way around. It works. Believe you me. <laughs> Annoy the boss. <laughs> they will eventually just ignore you. <laughs> as long as they don't sack you. Um, lots then on the AA, which I'm not going to get time to know, unfortunately, but I hope that we'll have an opportunity to pick up on them uh, later. Um, well, press tomorrow with Jonathan and uh, indeed over the next week because I'm not here tomorrow nor next week happy to jump back in for a couple of days um, but look after yourselves enjoy the bank holiday weekend and I'll see you the week after next for more Red FM podcasts go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts